bonus time on the ITC. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with a special boxing interview edition. Fresh off a wild weekend with Rafe Bugs at the Canelo Alvarez Gennady Golovkin rematch in Las Vegas. Yes, the Brian Campbell, in fact, the voice that you hear, ready to unleash a collection of sound featuring top fighters, trainers, broadcasters, journalists, and much, much more that is, of course, underwritten and injected with that performance-enhancing audio. Guys, who else gives you this kind of access and coverage and asks the most pressing and ridiculous questions? Because they had a full package. Where are they going to get that full package today? Who puts their balls on the line? Who does that in boxing? It's really the in this corner and nobody else. All right. This is a full package of guys with, with, with big balls. The guy has balls. No question about it. And you did hear that voice, folks. You know what's coming next, right? Buckle up. It's going to be a fun and wild ride that is headlined by a 20 minute chat with top rank chairman Bob Aram that you simply won't want to miss. Bob. The Bob Father, in fact, if you will, chats why he won't re-sign Manny Pacquiao after 17 years and why he simply has no time for that ish that is Mayweather Pacquiao too. The Hall of Fame promoter will also chat the likelihood of Terrence Crawford, Errol Spence Jr., why he was such a forerunner on the topic of marijuana, the future of boxing broadcasting, and yes, why you are here the dirty, dirty details of that infamous orgy in the Philippines with Muhammad Ali in the 1970s. Wow. Wow. You don't want to miss this. Believe me. In addition, look, we got fighters. We got Abner Morris and Yuri Orcus Gamboa talking about what's next. We got trainer Abel Sanchez talking about life with Triple G outside of the ring, behind the scenes, the mental breakdown, all that good stuff. You want to hear from the guys who supply the sound for this podcast each week. We're going to chat with them. Radio Rahim, Marcos Viegas of Fight Hub TV. They're going to share some wild stories about interviewing the likes of Tyson Fury, Floyd Mayweather, Angel Garcia, and more. And if you want to hear a two pair of boxing bros chat with some of their biggest brohams in the business, we got top flight fight journalists. Yes, Chris Mannix, Brett Okamoto, Karen Mulvaney, Eric Raskin telling funny stories. The biggest fights this fall. They're going to tell you what to expect. The ringside experiences that hit them in the field spot. All this good stuff and much, much more. And also, look, the the, the ITC is coming at you, coming for your time this week. So if you have time, make sure that you also check out Monday's Triple G Canelo 2 Reaction Pod. We got a really nice sit down with Abel Sanchez breaking down what went wrong for Golovkin, whether he wants a trilogy bout. We're also going to have Todd Grisham, friend of the show, Talk about his new DAZN deal. Preview this weekend's Anthony Joshua and Alexander Povetkin fight in London. Maybe chat some Nico Macias. Maybe get into life with AC Slater and Chris Algeri on the road. Look, we bring the big sound to you. You're going to want to check this out. It's about time, though, that I bring in that guy, Rafe Boogs, who was with me all weekend. I got him in the cage, but he's almost ready. But I still got him in the cage. He listens to me very well. I'm going to let him loose another round. Uh, really, it's about that time to let them loose. So just sit back, buckle up. I don't know what you got to do. You know, mow the lawn, put on the headphones, go grocery shopping. Uh, I don't care what you do while you listen to this show. I just want you to hear it injected into your ear holes, brother. It's time, all right? I, you know, you know what I think about you already. 
I love you. I make you a better. Okay. okay, okay. That's why we do this. So it's time to get ready. Here comes that sound invasion. Enjoy. Great Bob Father, Bob Aram. Bob, I've always wanted to say this. I always wanted you to say this about me in person. He writes like a tough, tough gang member. Come on. You said that about Jeff Horn one time. you got to remember that. What? Oh, Jeff Horn <laughs> yeah. fights like a oh, gang Oh, yeah. Man. Oh, yeah. He is. He's a rough kid. He's, He's a, a rough kid. kid. He's a good kid. But, but uh, uh, did you see my two little Mexicans fight? Oh, oh last my night, God. Last night, wasn't that something? Antonio Roscoe had balls, and, and yeah. he, he made Romero have to... Well, and they're lovely Romero's. guys. Yeah. And Jose Ramirez... Shut it down. Oh, already <laughs> jumping in. No, no. Breaking news here. O- Jose, Jose Ramirez, once he finishes boxing, will run for Congress in that area. Wow, yeah. wow. And will, he's a really tremendous social activist. That's what first impressed me about him. He, he was joined the Latino Water Coalition yeah. and really worked hard for him. Now he's... Uh, spearheading the immigrant rights uh, movement in the Central Valley. I really admire a kid who is so socially active. Yeah, yeah that's fantastic. Bob, before we talk about all the great things we want to talk about, Bud Crawford, this Roman Burchell fight, what the heck's going on with Floyd and Manny? you got to give us the 4-1-1. I have no idea. I think, you know, with Floyd, it's all about money. I can't see them doing the fight this year. I'll probably do it next year. Why would December be too soon? That's what Floyd said. It's not a question of too soon. You, you look at the calendar, December 1, uh, there's other events. And besides, you, you even for a match that's going to get attention, you can't put it against the conference championships. Sure in every football conference, practically. So December 1 is not a great day. December 8, you can't do pay-per-view because UFC already yes. has the date. Which are a bunch of white skinhead fans watching white skin. <laughs> no, we no, already no, know no. that, Bob. Great quote. Great. In moments of great Bob history, well, that's a great I, quote. I can't, will not say that anymore because now their brother suppliers of programming the ESPN. That's true. That's a family. So I love not, it. I'm not. They're part of the family. All right. Did you know Manny was going to take part in that? Did you know that they were going to meet up? What What did you know about? I knew that they were thinking. With Manny, it's about the money, and the problem is that they've got to get a good place outside the United States because otherwise, it's a problem with the IRS. Yes. Yes. Now, is, uh, sorry to keep stealing the spotlight here, but what the heck is MP, MP promotion? That's not a real thing, Bob. I feel like every fight until Manny dies, Bob Aram's going to be a part of it. That's not true. That's not true. I mean, the you know, again, I'm not kidding myself. I'm well into my 80s, and, you know, even, even a guy who has blessed with good health like I am, how many more years do I have? I'd rather spend time with Bud Crawford and uh, Lomachenko okay. and uh, like Jose Ramirez, guys like that, where I'll be more productive than uh, fighters that I handle who really have at the end of their careers and are just looking, which you can't blame them, for a payday. And I, I wanted to ask... Um, 
with, well, just about the last week with Manny with the back and forth on Instagram. I guess, I mean, you've been through so many ups and downs with Manny and the, and, you know, the, the, the briefcases, the, you know, I mean, I guess you're used to this sort of stuff, but what? The use of this guy, Khan's trying to take all the money, you know, where we've been on the road. What happened was, they had said to us that they would sign a contract. We said, sign the contract and we'll pay it. They then decided, for some reason, they didn't want to sign the contract. So we had to work it out. Hey, anyway, it was really a misunderstanding. You want to take a picture? Go ahead. Hey, I'm doing a podcast. They, they can put on pause, right? I believe you can. All right, the Bob Father is back with us. Bob, final question on this Floyd garbage so we can get to the real stuff. Is this a ESPN Showtime joint pay-per-view, if it happens? With the well, Manny, Manny have... Floyd, too? I listen to me. Yeah, I gotta listen to you. I will not be involved in that fight at all. Period. At all. Okay. Let other people do it. God love them. Let them make money. It's not for me. I want to devote my time and effort to guys who are in the prime of their careers. I understand. Like that. Lomachenko, like Crawford. Like Jose Ramirez, like Oscar Valdez. I ain't got time for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Bob. We love Bud Crawford. You love Bud Crawford. You re-signed him to a big deal. October 13th. Can't wait to see him back against Benavidez. You probably heard Errol Spence's comments in Brooklyn about... Bud hasn't fought anybody. Who's Bud going to fight with Top Rank? He's on the wrong side of the street. <laughs> we got to ask you. The best line there was, that's, who's he fought better than Chris Algier? That, that's an excuse if you don't want to do the fight. If you want to do the fight, you sit down and you work out everything. Now, you know and I know, none of them want to fight Crawford because he'll beat them. He's so much better than they are. Spence is the only one that has any kind of chance with Crawford. Uh, Garcia and Porter are average guys. Let me tell you something. I would put them in, both of those guys, with my Eastern Europeans, with Kavaliskas yeah. or, or Vesputin, and they'd beat the shit out of them. They really would. And, 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 and I would agree that you that I let them do the fight on whatever network they want, and if my guy didn't win, give him no purse. They would they're better fighters. These guys, I mean, Porter is a lovely young man. Yes, uh, Garcia, I don't know, but again, they are average fighters, a little bit better than the average. They are not elite fighters. Thurman might have one day been an elite fighter. He's no longer an elite fighter. Spence has the opportunity to be an elite fighter, but he doesn't compare with Crawford. And if they want to do that fight, we'll work out an arrangement to do that fight. Love that, Bob. Yes. We're happy to do it. You understand. We have a, a responsibility with ESPN. We provide programming for ESPN, which is the leader in sport. That means we don't just use our fighters. We don't put our fighters against each other many times. We reach out to other promoters yes. to put their fights 
on our platform, like we did with Kathy Duva, yes. with Cobra Alvarez, like yeah. we did for the Fernando and Keekley with uh, Bershot and uh, Roman. And Roman. I mean, that's our obligation. We are promoters, but we're acting part as a network with uh, programmers right, the, as well. The key question, so, Bobby, is so, who's Bud going to face long-term? He's going to face Benavides next. What's the long-term plan on the side of the street? Of If the PPC guys don't really want him, what's the long-term plan for Bud to become a star? I We, we have a group of welterweights that we promote in top rank that are better than their welterweight. The Eastern Europeans. Like, like had the two Eastern Europeans, yes, yes. Kavaliskas, and Vesputin was brilliant last night. And then we have uh, uh, Carlos Adamas, mm-hmm. who's a Looks real... Good. Looks good. good. And, and there are others. Okay. So I'm not worried about getting the right type of opposition for Crawford. We'll get it. Why? Because money draws. Money draws. I mean, Garcia, now that he's lost the Porter, where is he going? He needs, yeah, he needs If to. Garcia wants a payday, we'll give him a payday to fight Crawford huh? just to show the difference in caliber. Take that, Al Heyman. Yeah, I like that. I like that. And do, I, I'm curious, do you think that with PBC and, and Showtime making these deals and also with Fox, these long-term deals, are. do you think they're going to be less likely to branch out than maybe they were when they're going year by year? No, quite the contrary. These are network people. They're not boxing people. They want the best fights on the network. And if that means dealing with other promoters, they will force them to deal. Showtime was different because Espinosa was a it had the wrong time. But that's over now. Now that they have a new head of CBS, he was the one providing the money for Showtime, which is a subsidiary, to do boxing. Showtime doesn't belong in boxing. They're an entertainment network. HBO doesn't belong in boxing. They're an entertainment network. And... HBO now realized it. Who? What's the competition for HBO and Showtime? It's Netflix. So you've got to yeah. take all your reserves and put it into programming. You put 20, 30 million into boxing, the fight is on one night, it's over. Finished. You put that money into a series, the series hits, you make billions of dollars syndicated. They last forever. On so those they don't... Be, thank God they were there. HBO and Showtime. But that era's they, over. Because they saying. kept boxing oh, going. Yes, yes. Now the area is going to go to linear networks yeah. like ESPN, like Fox, and also within five years it'll all be streaming. All right, we got to ask you about our favorite top-ranked fighter. I'm going to do an impression of him. Hello, Grandpa. It's your son, the Raw Storm, Isaac Dogbeck. I think I just nailed that. I, 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 we love Isaac Dogbeck. No! Um, this guy thinks he can be, to quote Richard Schaefer, we have a new Manny Pacquiao, and his name might be Isaac Dogbeck. Bob, can he be the pay-per-view star long-term that Dogbeck thinks he can be? 
I really, again, I'm thrilled with this kid. Not only is he an exciting fighter, and, I mean, really good to watch, is he's highly intelligent. He has great manners, great persona, and, you know, can a 122-pound kid from Ghana become a superstar? I think maybe yes, because, again, with uh, Dogbo, he doesn't speak English accented like a lot of Africans. We spend a bit of time in the UK as well. Yes, he speaks perfect English. Highly intelligent. So I'm very, I'm very, we're going to see him back, uh, I think, uh, uh, oh yeah, we're going to have him December 8th in New York. He's having a fighter of the year kind of year. I mean, he's right up there. He wants to win six to seven championships, he told us on this podcast, which means, Bob, he may cross paths with a Lomachenko with some other guys that you know well. Good, good, yeah. All right, all right. All right, Bob, I've got a question I've been waiting on to ask you for years. I don't know when they're going to pull you out of this interview, but i got to get to it, Bob. What the hell happened at the Philippine Grand Garden Hotel in the late 1970s with Muhammad Ali? Never screwed so many women in my life. Bob, come on. Give me the breaking news. Sometime at a press conference in the near future, some Philippine lady will come in with a walker and say, he jumped me at that hotel. (laughs) I won't remember who she was. Bob, years later, do you have anything to tell us? You got to, you got to help us out here, Bob. Well, it was tell you about what? The, the, My own exploits. The wild orgy with Ali. No, well, Ali didn't take part. Okay, he had good. his own. It was. That's true. That's true. All right. Yeah, well, Ali was very, very private with that. All right. They'd line okay. up, and I give him numbers like they were like in a bakery. <laughs> What the fans want to know, did Bob smash at the orgy? Bob smashed. What? Bob got it done at the orgy. Is that what? You, you were successful. I was a star. You were a star. All right. I love, I love this. Bob, don't ever leave this earth. Please, Bob. I mean, you're, you're, you still got it. What are you, 80, 86, Bob? Is that true? I'm going to be 87. Oh, seven. God bless you. And you know, he's not. He's ahead of the game on, on marijuana. Bob, when you have the munchies, what do you go to? Onion rings? What are you reaching for when you need that snack? I, I, no, I know. See, I'm not a neophyte. I've been taking the weed since the 60s. There it is. And I, I learned the one thing you can't do is really, because it really stimulates the appetite. So you got to control yourself. I can control myself. That's longevity. What, 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 what was your, what's your, like, prime uh, nomenclature for it? Are you a, do you call it, did you call it grass in your day, reefer? Yeah, grass we call it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Bob, I could talk to you for hours. I got so many topics. We're winding down here. You got anything to say about this brash swashbuckler, Eddie Hearn, with the three-piece suits? Is he going to take over the world? Do you believe in what he's doing? No, I think, you know, you got this design, the zone that really trying to come into the U.S. market. Who is the zone? It's owned by a Russian oligarch, right? Right. It explains why there's a lot of money flowing around. Right, right. A Russian oligarch who, instead of having an American promoter putting his show, like the Bella or a guy like that, got some limey who's putting in fights in England, doesn't have any idea what the American market is like, is going to fall on his ass, but 
we'll see what happens. Well, I mean, that show, October 6th in Chicago, is a joke. Who the hell is going to pay ten dollars to watch that show? Adamic Miller is a, is a rough, is a, is a tough sell. I, how, could you promote that pipe? No, 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 no. no, no. Bob, your, your congratulations on the new seven-year deal with ESPN. I never thought you and Dan Rayfield would join forces to take over the world together. <laughs> we have been doing forces. I'm trying to get him fired. Yeah. <laughs> he can't stop talking about the time you flipped him off, Bob. Great moments in Dan Rayfield. You remember that time you flipped him off? At yeah, the right. Oh, I, the, the, the time, the, I think the best uh, Rayfield story maybe when you had the, the Chinese food sent to him when he didn't make the flight to Macau. Yeah. Um, I want I actually wanted to ask about just you have such not only some some really good like you know great young fighters but great TV fighters. You mentioned Ramirez who fought last night, of course. Saucedo also at 140 pounds. I mean, these guys are making some really really fun fights. I mean, Absolutely, yeah. you have to do two things. You have to either put really great fights in with really elite fight so people see. What is the best, like Lomachenko and Crook? And then you have to have fights with guys who are skilled, but maybe not at that level, who do fan-friendly fights. Like last night, anybody who watched that fight last night is hooked and is a boxing fan. Anybody who's going to watch this fight with uh, Bichelt and Roman yes. is going to get hooked. I, I love it. I love it. You're bringing it back to the TV. Final question here, Bob. I know you got a lot of business to do. You going to ESPN. Did Al Heyman and the PBC open the door to make that possible by bringing boxing back to free TV, or is that narrative overrated? No, the narrative is totally overrated. It was Todd, the president of Top Rank, who had that vision, and he had to, knew that we couldn't do it ourselves. And we had to go to an entity like CAA, who represented us, who knew how to talk the language that the network understood. And for that way, ESPN paid attention, we made the deal, and it's been a success, you know, a tremendous success. I mean, you go from a contract which was mediocre, the first contract, to now a new seven-year deal which gives us everything we want. That's tremendous. And the network and it, seems it's thrilled. comparative the UFC. Yeah, that's yeah. true. And the network seems really happy with the value sure they're they getting, are. right? I mean, because we knew what they wanted, yeah. and they knew that we weren't schmucks, that we would understand what they wanted. Not like, oh, how can you fight number three? you got to fight number one. What? Fuck, number one's a bad fight. Yeah, yeah. You wouldn't want to do it. Dan, uh, Bob's going to take your job and give it to Coppinger. He just broke it on our podcast. Breaking news, all right? You're out. You're out. It's going to be right? difficult considering my contract extends for a few more years. All right, Bob, thank you for the time. Contracts? Great talking to you. We don't believe in contracts. <laughs> hey, Bob, if Floyd asked you to go to Girl Collection, you wouldn't go, right? What? Floyd and this Girl Collection strip club crap, he, you don't hang out no, with him. I don't him. hang out. You don't hang out with him. Bob, thank you so I'm much. I'm retired. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. Oh, and it wouldn't be it wouldn't be fight week at Canelo Triple G too unless we did the uh, which has become a tradition, the Media Day Friday interview the biggest names in the sport. There's nobody bigger 
than Chris Mannix of the In This Campbell with Brian Mannix podcast. Yes, crossing the In This Corner streams right now, Rafe. But to our listeners, this has got to be like like uh, Luke and Darth Vader shaking hands right here. This is fantastic. Can I just tell you, I don't get paid enough to like be handed the In This Corner show. Like, well, you know, I, I, I became like a... A participant in the show. Yes, yes. And then they're not doing the show unless I'm hosting it, and I'm still getting the same amount of money. I am renegotiating. After, well, people after came at me and were like, "Did you see Chris Mannix stole your name?" And I had to remind them, I inadvertently stole like five other shows that are called in this corner that I didn't even know were existed. I was gonna say, some, you know? I, I have a feeling like in this corner existed. In the pantheon it's of the boxing most generic somewhere. name in boxing, the history. universe of boxing podcast names is pretty uninspiring all yeah. altogether. After the bell, yeah. uh, before the balls. Yeah. Hey, uh, Chris Mannix, before we go any further, I mean, speaking of media horse, you're working for everybody. That's true. I mean, you. I've heard you're in the zone. I mean, we're seeing you on ESPN. Man, we gotta we gotta get your agent. That's I, what's I don't think here. I'm allowed to discuss the zone thing, but I'm not going to deny it either. Oh, wow. <laughs> there, really? Isn't it live? Is it? I saw like screen. I saw pictures of you. Is it somewhere? I don't know. I, don't I can't know. keep track. What are the two guys' names? Like like Tank and Joe. Uh, Hawk and Barack. Come on, Hawk and Barack. Oh, that's They're true. Here. Okay, they had it on there. That's right. They, they will did. kick your ass. Anyway, so yes, that, that's accurate. it's good to be Chris Mannix right now. Let's be honest. Well, you guys know this media business is crazy, man. I don't know. Which when one job's going to evaporate, I'll need yes. like seven more to that's keep true. me in my cash. Them, chips. I need my lifestyle of Bud Light and T-shirts. I mean, like that's. Hey, he's just a regular boss. He's just like, what I, if Chris Mannix was like one of us? Well, he is. Well, Chris I have Mannix. No other life. Like, on this show, we deal in sound drops, and you've delivered. You were part of one of the greatest sound drops in boxing history. We will play that right now. How busy would you like to be this year? Busy. Chris Mannix, it's a legendary moment. Can you can you speak to it? Rafe actually knows the name of the fighter. That was Arturo Trujillo, right? Arturo Trujillo. Was that, was I doing NBC? Yes. This was okay. a bad was a swing bout. Right. Should yeah. not have been televised. Yeah. You're trying to be the nice guy with the mic afterwards. Yeah. And how busy do you want to stay? And this guy's looking deer in the headlights. <laughs> well, you know, you like, I, I've done the sideline reporting thing for a little while. And you go in with like three pretty clear questions that you want to ask these guys. Like, but after that, if they become really short and you've got to keep the interview going longer than 30 seconds, Come up with something else, and how busy do you want to be? Was my go-to in that moment, and uh, he was succinct. He was, he was very, he wanted well, to also stay. getting stuck in there with a guy who was fighting in like his professional debut on the swing bout on the NBA. Like, <laughs> he, what are you supposed I, to know about? If him I remember ask? correctly, it was he was bug-eyed and just like he had just won his first <laughs> fight, and he was just like, I, I, I can't believe I'm here. I'm on. I'm, I just want to fight. I'm a professional. I'm getting paid for this, and. That was not my finest moment. Not as good. See, the best drop you could ever find was the one, the same, not that probably the same card, but it was one of those cards where I asked, uh, was it Prentice, Prentice uh, Brute? Like, no, I, I asked I him, that. He, I said that, you know, I, did you think you lost the fight? He said, no, I thought I won it clearly. Then I said that BJ, was BJ Flores I was working with, and Freddie Roach both scored the fight for his opponent. Prentice turned around and said, Freddie, Pacquiao on steroids. Wow! Wow! That's better than this one. Bang! See you later. Left, right, good night. Left, right, good night. All right, Chris, you you have the Chris Mannix podcast on Yahoo. We're big listeners to that. You talk a lot about the business. This is kind of an evergreen pod today. I'm not going to ask your Canelo Triple D prediction, but I want to know your Canelo Triple G future prediction if their HBO deals are indeed up after this. Are these guys going to be the hottest sought-after free agents for one of your many networks? That you work a- absolutely. With? I mean, look, I don't know what HBO is going to do. Um, do they want to – look, we know that Kovalev is gone, probably not coming back. 
Um, Danny Jacobs has a fight coming up. Once he finishes that, it's the end of his deal. I would imagine, I'm just guessing here, I would imagine he winds up with Eddie Hearn and DAZN um, because Eddie Hearn's his promoter. Eddie Hearn has that big deal with the U.S. now U.S. streaming service. Um, and if these guys, Golovkin and Canelo, want fights, they're going to have to partner with other promoters. And that may mean going to top rank and working with ESPN. For Golovkin, that means going over to DAZN so you can get a shot at either a Jacobs or maybe a shot at the winner of Andrade versus uh uh, versus Billy Joe Saunders. So and just to tell Gennady, Chris can back this. Those DAZN checks are heavy, and they do cash. They have they have got some capital because from what I hear, and there's a lot of like this. You know, PBC Fox has this much money, ESPN has this much money. From what I hear, DAZN, in terms of what they're paying fighters, has the most money. So I think there's real I mean, money to be made. Crazy to guys. think they they give Gennady a big gift to his people, Why and they you? and they let him age gracefully for many millions. Well, look, you have you could have two fights for Golovkin on DAZN next year. You could have the winner of Andrade versus uh, Saunders, and then maybe a Jacobs fight, or vice versa. However you want to play it, but two relevant middleweight fights, and where else can you get that? I mean, unless you. I mean, look, Jacobs could have, uh, you know, a, a title list. That could be another guy with a title. But unless you want some of these lesser-known guys, which he doesn't, the biggest fights for Gennady Golovkin at 160 pounds are probably going to be with the zone. Wow. Wow, that's just crazy, you know. And, and we're not we're not saying HBO's dead. We're, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I hope it's not. This is, a, this is a crazy time to be alive But how do you right look now? at it as a reporter and say, like, you know, pragmatically, like... They're letting guys go, and they keep doing. And I'm sorry, Tom Laughlin, for listening. These god awful superfly cards. I can't watch <laughs> these superfly cards. They just. You can put a superfly guy as an undercard on a big fight. Like if a superfly was opening this uh, this event here, I'd be fine with it. I can't watch three superfly fights in a row. And more to the point, that doesn't carry a network. Well, no. In fact, it seems it's pretty clear that the reason they HBO has enjoyed doing those cards has a lot to do with saving money, right? I mean, that you've done smaller purses all around, and you could throw out so you get some programming out there. And like you're right, man. It's you it's, you read the writing on the wall. Like the, the, the investing less and less in the sport, and the two biggest fighters that have been working on the network, or fighting on the network, are their deals are up. Are they going to want to shell out the kind of money that whoever else out there might? Hey, F that. F well, I, I think it's way. fair to say that if you want to be in boxing, you have to have a pretty big checkbook. You have to be willing to spend. Look, Tevin Farmer is fighting under the zone card. And look, I, I think Tevin Farmer, all the credit in the world, go to Australia. You beat Billy Dibb. You've earned that right to be a world champion. But from what I hear from Farmer's camp, they're giving him a lot of money uh, to fight for the next few fights uh, on the zone. So you've got, if, you, if that's the, you know, the baseline for a Tevin Farmer, you got to be willing to pay some serious cash to, to keep some of these top-tier guys. Wow. Wow. A lot to come in the business of boxing moving forward. But we are Here's my question. Let me just ask yeah, you guys a question. Go ahead. Take over. Is it good for boxing, though? Like, we went through this when the PBC first started, right? Like, oh, it's on Fox. It's on NBC. It's on ESPN. That can't... That can only help boxing. It didn't do anything. It might have been a net negative because we had a lot of fights that didn't happen. My fear is that we're going to have, once again, leagues. The ESPN leagues. Yes. The PVC Showtime League, 
the DAZN League, and there'll be no cross-pollination, and we'll be more frustrated than ever about what goes on. No interleague play, no crossing the streams. That would be back to 2012, basically, again. I, ne- I don't necessarily want that. But we're more of a, uh, this is an evergreen, ridiculous show, so we like to talk about journalists, about things that don't really matter, like Load Watch 2018. You're on this, this run of what's going on. People are, every interview, the guys are like, hey, he just shot his load. I mean, Floyd and Sal Powell was one of the most awkward moments in boxing history. We got listeners that are just coming at us with sound from around the globe of people shooting their loads. Well, here's the thing. I, so, you know, you, you cover the NBA. How often do you get a, a he just shot his load <laughs> sound bite in, uh, in an NBA locker room? I, I, I get wad every so often. Yeah. I don't think I've ever... <laughs> Because you'd remember that, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, if I moment. was the guy that at a press conference or even a gaggle said, did you just shoot your load in that first quarter, you'd remember that. I mean, I got about 18 buttons on here of A.C. Slater saying. I mean, it's the popular phrase. Was that wad or load? That was wad. Wad. Okay, I, I have heard wad. Well, we've got camps in our podcast audience that say... Load watch only in counts loads. Don't bring no, me. You no, shot your shot. Don't bring me. Load or wad. But shot, you know. All right, what's the biggest uh, hold up for Ryan Garcia becoming a pay per view star? I say accidental pregnancy. Well, what about just. Because he's trying to impregnate half of the know, state of California. Boxing, what's going on? Right now? I was going to go with Rafe there. Like, how about <laughs> how about being good? Like, he's, he's at this point shown flashes of being good, but his last fight, wholly unimpressive. Look, no rush, 20 years old, but I, I'm going to go with being good, slowing him down first. Speaking of the flash, speaking of Ryan Garcia. This is a picture of Rafe recently, and look at that T-shirt right there. I rep oh, hard. You're all in. I rep you're all hard. in He's on all the in. flash, huh? He's all in. I mean, that's okay. a good shirt. I was impressed. I, I'm, I'm, I, so I, you're more impressed with the shirt than the fighter. I think the shirt okay. may last longer in, okay. my, in my in my closet. Yeah, we did uh, ask Ryan Garcia about his dirty DMs, and that's what he said. Yeah, I'm gonna be honest with you. It goes down in the DMs. It really does go down in the DMs. I mean, we're too old to talk about that legally, Chris. Chris Mannix. We're, we're all old guys pushing forty. Anyway, to close here, you've covered a lot of big fights. I like to talk about fields, right in the field spot. What's your best moment as a as a boxing journalist ringside? Whether it's the final five minutes before a fight, whether it's a knockout. I don't know if you were at Pacquiao Marquez for. Give me give me the Chris Mannix, you know, top of the pops here. What's that I mean, one th- this you know, and I can only speak for covering basketball and covering boxing. Really, nothing else kind of in between for me. But there's nothing like seeing a knockout from where we sit up close. I mean, it doesn't even have to be a Pacquiao Marquez type of knockout or a. Uh, what was it, Chavez Jr. and, and Martinez type yes. of knockdown. Which, yes. But the way the building erupts behind it, I remember my the sickest knockout that I can remember being ringside for. I guess one of the top two, because Paul Williams' oh, oh my eyeballs God, yes. rolling in his head versus Martinez. If Emmanuel Stewart here it was here, was, he'd be like, oh, my God. That was disconcerting to see, no question. But I was in, in Foxwoods when Golovkin fought Matthew Macklin. Uh-huh. Oh, yes. And oh, it was yes. like we the body too. shot hurt round the like world. Like a shotgun. Yeah. It was right there, right in front of me when, when he hit him. And I was like, oh, like you have, you have a visible wince, like you can feel it through. I heard the rib break, yeah, through the ring. So like that, that's Canelo Khan is on that level too. I thought Khan was dead. Okay, you, one of the one of the sort of deep cut ones of these was the Manny Marquez three undercard. Randall Bailey. Oh, oh yeah, he talk about Mike Lee. Here's something no, you can't. Mike Lee. No, Mike, Mike, Lee. Mike, oh, no uh, what's it, Mike Jones. Mike Jones, yeah. Mike Jones. Is it Mike Jones? No. Yeah, Mike Jones. It's Mike. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's Mike Jones. Right, Mike Lee. Yeah, he's Mike, down. Lee, Mike Lee is the light heavyweight, the yeah. subway, the subway eating, guy. Come on, the subway eating boxer from oh, Missouri. Actually, the real category I want to close with. I heard rumors that you were a Celtics ball boy as a kid. Me being a Boston Celtics super fan, is that true? Oh yeah, I spent uh, eight glorious years from '95 to '03. Oh wow, those are some uh, bad years. Bad. Damn, years. those were some but bad years. I'll tell you what, I did it all through college. 
the best college job anywhere because you collect like 100, 150 bucks from players afterwards. Sometimes, and by collect, you mean gambling with Antoine Walker. I've done that too. But some of these, some, some of these guys will take you to the club afterwards and let you drink off their tab. Oh, wow. Talk it about was, load watch. This it was fantastic. It was a good, uh, it was. Uh, I have yet to write a book. I'm not like Rafe here. I've yet to write books, but uh, you're too busy with real jobs, my, man. Don't worry. But, but, but one day I'll put all that stuff into a book. Oh, wow. All about Potapenko, right? Uh, all Potapenko. Hey, that '95 team was a Cinderella run in the last year of the Garden. I don't think they took they... a game from the, the Magic, you know. And they no, had not, me to be fair. Oh, uh, maybe it was like I can't believe you actually know that was the last year of the Garden. So my first year, I think, must have been '95, '96. It was the first year of the Fleet oh, Center. That was a really bad year. That for was. The right. yeah. But I had the, tw- the 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 apex of it all was. Uh, that year that Paul Pierce and Walker took from the conference finals, and they had the greatest comeback in NBA playoff history at, up until. But a I couldn't point. enjoy that because I knew how weak the Eastern. That was a historically bad Eastern Conference that year, and that was a, actually a really bad Celtics team. In, in hindsight, I hate Kenny Anderson. All they did was shoot threes. Jim O'Brien realized oh, it's the only way they can compete. You just say you hated Kenny Anderson. How do you hate Chibs? Chibs? Yeah, come on, because he couldn't yeah. shoot, dude. He's a play- anyway. He shot for Chauncey. Acquired don't, for Chauncey. Don't ever come back to New York. Brian. He did marry Tammy from the real world. You so know what? You know what blew those Celtics teams though was that that draft. They had three first-round picks at 0-1. Kedrick Brown. Kedrick Brown, Joe Forte. They had Joe Johnson, but they traded him. Like... Uh, you, you don't you talk about if you, you want to go down that road. Draft. You, you can talk about breaking your heart. I mean, you, getting rid of Billups after like forty games and trying to that was a Rick Pitino. That was I all know. Rick. Like I can't wait. I can't wait. I have to you win. Know, I have to win. You I can't know, wait Rick for this kid. Pitino's mountaintop moment with the Celtics was his first damn game against the Bulls when I they upset that. them. And he walked off the court, fist pumping all the way out there, oh like he was. God, God. Oh. Robert Parrish not coming through that door. Kevin McHale's not. Was it Robert Parrish on the Bulls at that point? Probably. Probably. Pretty sure he was still playing. Hey, Chris Mannix, it's been a pleasure. Thank My you pleasure, guys. for crossing the streams of the In This Corners, and uh, <laughs> best of luck to you. Maybe maybe you'll HBO hire you, because they're down on the hook at the moment. I so. mean, I don't think they have any openings, though. They're not doing anything. So, like, that's, what is, uh, that's true. you know, that's you have true. to actually have. Are we worried about, like, Kellerman and Lampley? Are we, like, are they going to be, like, you know. Uh, Somebody's going to throw them all off. Are going to auction them so, off? Yeah, we, yeah like, it's going to get very interesting. Are they going to wind up in, like, CBS Sports and that doing, um, doing some, in this corner with Jim Lampus yeah, yeah probably some of, those, some of those fights that they have there the uh, the time by fights Can we? I love it I love it alright Chris just to close again final question how busy do you want to stay moving forward uh, busy <laughs> Oh, yeah. We are here with Abel Sanchez, the trainer of the great Gennady Golovkin. And Abel, i got to ask you off the top. You have become kind of known, outside of being a great trainer, as the best soundbite in boxing. Is this something that was always there through your whole run, or are you just embracing the role right now? No, actually, I just try to say what I what I know and speak what I know. Uh, Gennady Golovkin, from the beginning, asked me to be his mouthpiece because his language is so limited. Uh, and everybody interprets things in, in a different way that he means them. Uh, and what happens is that his his vocabulary is so small that uh, he seems to repeat things that uh, any answers. He's got a, a generic answer for everything. And he we love it. those generic yeah. answers, though, Abel. We love yeah. big he, gift to people. He yeah, he didn't he didn't seem to uh, he he just felt like he he wasn't coming across like he wanted to come across. So he asked me long, long time ago to make sure that I said the things that he wanted to say. It was okay with him for me to talk in this manner. So that's why I'm doing it for him. I love it. All right. So you're not afraid to speak truth, speak uh, harsh words if it's needed, and sometimes it rubs the opposition the wrong way. I talked to Canelo Alvarez this week. I bring up Abel Sanchez. He gets, he gets, he gives that Canelo face. He gets angry. He gets whiny. He's, you know, I, the great Eddie Reynoso wants nothing to do with you. Do you like Pressing the buttons on the other side there, getting oh, them fired I'm up. I'm not trying to press any buttons. What I'm trying, to, what I've said, and you said it a little while ago, is I'm saying the truths. 
if I am lying, if I am insulting you, then please let me know and, uh, and I'll ask for forgiveness. But uh, if I'm not telling the truth, then somebody needs to point that out to me. Absolutely. Now, I've loved about, if anyone's followed the character of Gennady Golovkin, and I think some of it has been genius marketing, right? The, the broken English, the smile, we love this guy. But we've never seen him as legitimately angry the last six months as we've seen it, from his standing firm on the negotiations to calling out all of boxing, media included, for saying, hey, can all feel the test and you guys are kind of covering it up. Is How real is this for the day-to-day Gennady? Is he really that fired up where we can imagine him entering the ring in, at a cyborg fashion, like ready to kill? I mean, is it, or, or is it just business? Is this guy... What, where, You've covered him enough to, to have listened to him say, this is a sport to me. To him, it's very important that people can uh, that people look at this as a sport. It's not a, it's not somebody trying to hurt somebody else. It's a sport to win. Uh, you prepare yourself to win. But when an athlete insults the sport that he loves and insults him and his team and insults the public, an athlete at that level, the test positive for whatever reason, however reason he wants to claim that he did it. Uh, we don't believe it was that way, but that's that's his business. Uh, when he insults the public and, the, and then continues to BS us about uh, about that situation, it makes you mad. Yeah. So Gennady got mad, and Gennady stood firm because it's not about the money for him. It's about the principle, and it's about his sport that needs to be maintained clean. And there's people trying to hurt each other in there, and if they have advantages, I think that it's uh, detrimental to a sport and, and, and to a family. One punch can change a fight, but one punch can change a lifetime. Yes, definitely. Now, did you see that intensity into the training sessions? Did you were you were your hands sore afterwards? Like, well, Gennady, save it, save it for the for the ring. Actually, yes, it was the Curtis Stevens training camp. Remember, yes. Curtis Stevens was talking about perfect all those comparisons. Yeah. That produced and the first. Are you serious? Are yeah, you serious right see, now? Yeah. And, and, it, and it upset him. And, and this has upset him very much. And he wanted to punish uh, Curtis, and he wants to punish Canelo. I mean, Curtis did the meme with the grave. No, now yes, you yes. go in the coffin. Yeah, I mean, right. that was yeah, that, that was, was that was just not. Uh, to him, again, this is a sport to him. It's not. It's not. Uh, it's not somebody trying to kill somebody. Now, getting Gennady, is, as we've talked about in the past, it's like revived your career. It's a new chapter in what was already a great training career. Should we start talking about Abel Sanchez and Gennady Golovkin in terms of a pair, a marriage, in the same way we talk about Freddie Roach and Manny Pacquiao? I mean, you guys are kind of synonymous with each other. Is it something that, that really means a lot to you when you look out over the whole span of your career? Absolutely. Uh, he's been with me now for over eight years. I've always felt that the kids that I work with are my kids. Yeah. Uh, I have to treat them that way. I have to act that way. It's not about the money. I've made enough money in construction to, to, to keep me solvent. Uh, but uh, this has been... Um, a great uh, period of my, uh, probably the best period of my career because I'm enjoying it a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And I'm a little bit older, so these kids are younger, so it's more of a father-son relationship. Uh, unfortunately for us, uh, Gennady's father passed away several years ago, and I've become more of a, a sounding board for him and yeah. more of a trusting person, so I, I love that role. I love that role because he is that humble, he is that same guy that I got eight years ago, that humble, honest, honorable man. And it's easy to work with somebody like that. That's, that's awesome to hear. And you were with the great Terry Norris. Yes. Years, yes correct? correct. I talked to Errol Spence Jr. I said, which fighter from the past do you try to emulate? First name he said was Terry Norris. I was like, yeah, yeah. right. That's, that's fantastic. A great He's in the Hall of Fame. That was a great fighter. That was a, a fighter that had different qualities uh, than Golovkin, but still, uh, he was a winner. Uh, he was a guy that just wanted to win at all costs legally. Um, and uh, I love training him because you just 
never knew in a fight what was going to happen. Oh, yeah. He wasn't the... Uh, Orlan Norris, to me, was the better fighter. His brother was the better fighter, technically. But Terry had that it. Oh, he, he had the dog in him, yeah. too. I mean, he'd go he get it. Yeah, he did. And, and, and Errol has that, too. Oh, Errol. Was there one fight that, when you look back, that was the best version of Terry Norris? What, what was me, the Donald Curry. Donald Curry, too. Yes. What was that, 93, 4 91, I think. 90 or 91. But Donald Curry, to me, in Palm Springs... The kind of fight that I wanted Terry to fight. Yeah, that's my kind yes. of fighter. Hey, uh, Terry Norris broke a young Brian Campbell's heart when he took uh, Sugar Ray Soul. You know, I'm yeah. sure a lot of people. Yeah, have that, that was same that was our second defense in New York. Uh, it happens in this sport that the the torch has to be passed. Yes. Uh, and Ray, unfortunately for Ray, he wasn't that busy at that time. And uh, when you fight a young man like Terry Norris at 23 years old, and you haven't been busy, and your skills are eroding, it's difficult. Yes. Uh -huh. All right, to close with the a thank you so much for your time. How much does Gennady, in his mind, get that he's putting forth a marketable character? We, uh, we and uh, I and his brother had uh, a conversation the other night uh, with him and uh, just discussed where he is in the scheme of things, in, in not only in Kazakhstan. In Kazakhstan, he's a hero. But uh, in the scheme of things, as far as uh, what he's accomplished... Uh, and believe it or not, he, he really doesn't, it's not important to him. <laughs> and he, he just, uh, his family is more important to him. His, his fans are very important to him. And, and just pleasing and doing the things for the fans. That's why we fought on May the 5th, because he wanted to be in front of his fans again. Uh, just to be able to put on the kind of fights that the, 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 the he's going to be remember, remembered for, that's all. All right, Abel, in closing, the real closing here, we collect sound on the show, on this podcast, becomes part of the lineage of the show. You dropped a good one recently when talking about this Logan Paul KSI fight. Who the hell is that? Who the hell is that? <laughs> a legendary sound drop as you talk to Jeff Mayweather that will now become part yeah, yeah. of the history of the show. So thank you very much. Best of luck with it. It would not be media room, press row at Triple G Canelo 2 without talking to the great Kieran Mulvaney of the HBO Boxing Podcast, of the North Pole, of many a whale and sea lion, and a great friend to boxing. Kieran, thank you for joining Rafe and myself here on this podcast. How are you this weekend? I'm looking forward to the weekend being done and dusted and, all right, and all right. moving on. It's, it's you know, it's I, I love fight weeks. We all love fight weeks, but I also look forward to Sunday morning. So this is not a big gift to Kieran this weekend. It's just it's a grind. It's a grind that one's happy to have, of course. Okay, but, okay, you know, okay. but, uh, yeah. You were, you were recently on a barge. Do you want to say anything about, about the North Pole, or can we just get, get on to more things? I was going to say, do you want me to show you my North Pole? Wow. Well, that's, ooh. Huh? Oh. Can I say that on this podcast? Wow. He's got a little unzip sound can he I, likes to play. Can I get the zipper sound effect fast <laughs> enough? I don't think he can. There wow, let me get that again. Uh, hey, Kieran, we do something on this show called uh, Hashtag LoadWatch 2018. Have you, are you aware of this trend? Where fighters just keep talking about how much they shoot their load at the end of fights. No, really? Do you know the famous interview with uh, Sal Pal and Floyd? I mean, everyone's talking about shooting their load. Really? And our listeners are so dialed in on this that they'll pick up a stream of a fight in Europe, and so the announcer will say, "I think he just shot his load," and they'll send it to us instantly. Mm -hmm. they, are you? Are you? Do you agree with this trend, this direction for boxing? I'm not sure that I feel incredibly comfortable about it. Okay. I do feel very comfortable saying that I'm, Gennady Golovkin is not going to talk about shooting his load. That's true. That's true. Right? Ryan probably Garcia is Canelo. Will. Yeah. If he did, though, it would, would be... it sound like? <laughs> 
Max. 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 This is not game. You shoot. You shoot loads. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> I eat steak every day. <laughs> just able, mate. But I just, I just don't think it ought to do it. Kieran, I love hanging out at fights with you and having a cold one because you're a guy from the beginning of your fight coverage. What, 2001, 2002-ish? Yep. You've been to every fight that has mattered for the most part. Yeah, but you got great friggin' stories. If yeah. you're gonna write a book someday, I'm gonna read it. All right. Well, this is actually how I started. Was um, I was writing about my North Pole and other such things, hey, and well. and I thought, and I just wanted a, a change of pace for a while. Right, I've been doing it for a long time, and I had basically shot my load <laughs> um, with my environment, and, and and I thought I've got to do something else. And I I came to Las Vegas to spend six months writing a book yes. on boxing on Ishe Smith. E.J. Smith, Chris Bird, Wayne McCulloch, Stitch Duran, um, you know, various like Las Vegas types. and um, Which is now the Dead Sea Scrolls, that book, buried somewhere under the sand. It is. And um, put it all together, and I liked it, my agent liked it, and uh, about 20 publishers said, yeah, this is great, boxing fans don't buy books. I, I heard that about basketball fans. I've, I've heard that about every book I've ever tried to write. Yeah, was, that was a very tough sell, maybe. It was hard to top that ever. Well, we're happy that you made it your way into boxing, and I like to talk about moments, feels. You were involved ringside and feeling that a few different times. Do you have one memory, one fight, one ring walk, one moment where you were most buzzed, most high, most feeling that? Wow, there's a few, actually. Um, everybody mentions this one um, like as time has gone on it turns out there are actually 35,000 people in the yes. arena um, uh, Corrales Castillo you were in the dance you went to that one too are you there. kidding me I was there can we have um, this talk now can that was Temecula right was that no that was, that was, that was here that was Mandalay just across the, the rematch was Temecula yeah Maybe, maybe um, Temecula yes yes um, and, no the rematch was also somewhere in Vegas um yeah, and I was sitting next to the great novelist Bud Schulberg, even. And it was just like the whole combination of factors was, was pretty amazing. Um, and that was very early in my game. And I've also got to say, last year, Anthony Joshua, Vladimir Klitschko, was one of the most incredible fight experiences I've ever had. That broke Karl Frotz's record of most people out of Boston. So many people. And, and such a great fight. And such a, you know, meaningful fight. Was it because of the USB stick that Vladimir had please, woven into it? Please do not ask. Did somebody win that? Do not ask about Please do not ask what is on USB stick. Please do not ask. I always think there's stick picks. I think there might be Hayden nudes on that on that USB stick. Somebody who paid for charity won that thing. I can't wait to find out one day. Kieran, we know that you are a renowned Miguel Cotto fan. Oh gosh, yes. You, you fan speak doesn't about even begin to describe it. Miguel Cotto in fourth and fifth person out of deference to him. What what are your Miguel Cotto moments? The Margarita rematch. That was pretty incredible. Miguel just walking across the ring and staring him down. That was pretty amazing. And you know there are these weird truthers out there on the internet who swear that Margarito was coming on. That that New York. I've met some of them in person. In Jimmy's corner. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Romero, yes. And and what, you know, how do you shut him down? 
just Miguel Cotto doesn't need to shut down truth is about Miguel Cotto Miguel Cotto is just Miguel Cotto he has an iPad for that <laughs> I always tell Oscar you should have fought Cotto at 54 in around 2008 it would have sold a million and a half pay-per-views it would have been a manly fight yeah. and I always ask Oscar who would have won and he says Cotto would have knocked me out does he say that and I don't know if I believe that I mean Oscar was washed in 07 08 but I mean, he did, he did push Floyd to a split decision. He still had a good reach on him. Yeah, if he could have kept that jab going, that would have been an interesting fight, that's for sure. But yeah, no, it's funny. And part of the reason for my Miguel Cotto fandom, apart from, of course, um, is that he's the first guy that I've been ringside for, for a little bit past prospect status, all the way through to championship, to decline, to retirement. Um, he was the first guy I had tracked, and the first time that I was ringside for him, I just loved the way he fought. Um, uh, I remember sitting ringside when he fought Victoriano Sosa, and the way he just broke him down to the body, and he just had this impassive look. And actually, I spent time with him in his camp before his last fight, and he said he cut Sosa so badly in his mouth that Sosa would try to get in close and spit blood on him in that fight. This is incredible. Yeah. Um, and I just... I just fell in love with him as a fighter, and I like him as a person. I think he's I, I like very him. interesting. Now, when yes. he went full on weird tad after he lost to Margarito, did that yeah. turn you off at all? No, nothing will turn me off. Uh, okay. Oh wow, the Siri, I'm, I'm curious, like in a fairly serious way, sort of like you know, this is a guy that you bought into early. He becomes great, yeah. really rising, and then that, Mar that first Margarito fight happened. Obviously, we all know right. what we suspect was in Margarito's right. gloves, but well, without without, like, without but Tony's iPad, without Miguel's iPad, I don't know if we can have this conversation. What what I mean is like you know what's like how down were you like you know it's so funny that week I remember looking at him like during the fight week and, and I thought the way he was carrying himself the way he fought up to that point I thought this guy's the next pound for pound number one I just really felt and I felt that he was a class above Margarita. I just thought Margarita was just this brawler and And through, what is it, five rounds? Absolutely outclassed. Oh, yeah. The, one of the best performances through five rounds. I remember when he landed that shot, he left his glove up in the air, just like, it was fantastic. He was, he was just slicing him up. Yeah. It was unbelievable. It was O.J. Simpson-esque. Too soon. Too soon. Too soon. And the, the shocking turn, it, it was one of the most, it ended up being one of the most violent assaults that I've, that I've witnessed. You were there, you were young. Oh, because he was at every fight. Let's be honest. It was, it was just, it was just shocking. Like the emotion afterwards, the shiver. I was kind of shocked by the whole thing, really, to be honest with you. And of course, at that point, we had no idea. Um, uh, and I still have as great a career as Miguel Cotto has had. And I'm sure I'm far from the first person to say this. Without that fight, it would have been greater. Of course. Without that night, without whatever. That's what I often wonder. If that fight never happened and he had gotten Floyd in his prime, he really, if you really think about it, and you consider how good he did four years later in 2012 against Floyd when we counted them out, he might have been the perfect prototype to give Floyd a problem because 2008 Miguel was so focused on the body yeah, and exactly. he was a better boxer than I think even Floyd realized until that fight. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly, because it's easy for us to say but not being in the ring, but it was always baffling how everyone would try to hit Floyd in the head. Yes. And Cotto was the guy who would have gone fuck that and just like hit him everywhere. And Rafe thinks this podcast evolves into me constantly talking to legends and saying, you would have beat Floyd if you fought them in your prime. And maybe he's right there, but Cotto would have. When Oscar says I would have knocked out Floyd in my prime, I, I kind of believe him. I mean, you, you saw late 90s prime welterweight Oscar. Yeah. That guy was a player. Yeah, the quasi on the verge of sliding down toward being washed and forgetting to throw his jab Oscar. Yeah. Still gave him a decent fight. Still, still better than he should have, yeah. to be really yeah. honest there. Yeah. Well, that, that was a big gift to my people, for sure. My Lithuanian brethren. Thank you. Uh, that makes no sense. But um, 
Karen, you, you've been through it. You've seen it all. Your version of Miguel is my Oscar. Okay. Okay. Flawed human, but love him in the ring. Almost love him. Miguel Cotto isn't flawed. Miguel Cotto isn't flawed. Miguel Cotto, he doesn't really have any Miguel any big stains against him. No, I'm saying Oscar's flawed. That's why I cling to him because he's relatable. Okay. Right. And I talked to Oscar last night at the media dinner, and I and I always slip in a fanboy moment. I go Oscar in the twelfth round against Ike Corte. Your balls grew this big; they expanded. And do you know what his retort was? Brother, you should see them today. They're the same size. I mean, that's just that's that's a HBO legendary night right there to have that conversation with your idol. Did you have that? Did you get to see them? It was a legendary night. I I had. I mean, you know, I got two words for you. Do not ask Brian what is on the USB stick. I did wear the fishnets just for history's sake, but Kieran, did you have any intimate moments like that with Miguel? Let me get the zipper sound ready. That was an awkward question. Uh, Lemon shoot as low. Did you have any intimate moments where you got to ask Miguel some of those questions about the fandom? Mostly the relationship is with Tika, the French bulldog. Miguel's French bulldog. Everybody's got a Tika moment. Okay. Tika's been licking. Unidirectional licking, I point out. Oh, wow. I wasn't doing the licking. Good, good to know. Yeah. Um, all right, back to a little bit of boxing. Um, <laughs> oh, yes. How uh, dare you? I mean, come on. Oh, no, no, I'm up here because we get to hear you, and, I, and you can, we, can, we can take this out if you need to. Um, but we get to hear you talk about HBO fights all the time because you do the HBO podcast. We don't, we don't get to hear you talk about the other fighters in the sport as much. I'm How curious. How dare you try to cross streams? I'm not trying to cross. Look, I li- I look I'm, not, I'm not Bud Crawford. I'm we, not Are we still talking about your night with us? <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, I mean, like, just I'm curious, what you, you know, what do you make of, you know, how Terrence Crawford career's been going, the, you know, the possibility of Errol Spence down the line, the whole Mikey Garcia whisper, going just up bring thing. It, just bring it. I love Terrence Crawford. I have loved Terrence Crawford from even before we we had him on HBO. Or he's actually on HBO once. wasn't his best performance. Then had to be off HBO, but always thought he was was terrific. And then some light bulb went off in him. I think when with the Ricky Burns fight, and then afterwards where he realized he wasn't just a good boxer, but he realized he liked beating the stuffing out of people. Well, a lot of people beat a brick Sturko, Let's be honest. And and. And once once he sort of started to put it all together, I I think he's such a good fighter. I love Terence Crawford. Now is he really one of my actually back to one of my favorite moments uh, when he first fought in Omaha as a champion. Oh, that yeah. was a oh, night. Yeah, somewhere in Middle America. Ron friggin' Standard. Ron Shadowbox. Yeah. Exactly. That was a night. I, I love Terence I love Crawford. I love Lomachenko. I think what Lomachenko is, everybody else is boxing and Lomachenko is doing something else entirely and I don't know quite how to classify it's it. Sex, but it's sex. Let's just be It's phenomenal. Um, so those two guys are my, my favorite guys. I love those guys. And it's interesting. I, I, a lot of people seem to think that when and if Terence and Errol Spence fight but Spence seems to be the favorite already, and I think Spence is fantastic too. But I don't know that I agree with that. Well, Spence is bigger, but I think has more magic, more tricks, and yeah. And but that would you say that's our uh, Leonard Hearns? That's our you know this generation's like two guys out in the you know it's different from Manny, Manny Pacquiao and right. because it just got extended. But I'm talking about two young guys in their absolute prime mm. that we hope we're building toward. This is kind of this generation Sugar Ray Leonard, Tommy Hearns one, right? Yeah, I suppose. I mean. 
and in terms of like the, the sort of clash of styles a little bit there more I mean Terence is probably more the, the Ray Leonard and, and, and I also Thomas Terence I guess but um, you know it's still not in the sense that ask anybody outside this room about it and nobody would have a clue that's true. Um, but that's boxing and that's a good point. Sugar Ray Leonard was a different animal coming out of the Olympics. It was a different time. Kieran was a young swinging bachelor in England at that time. That's yes. And now I'm just an old swinging bachelor. Yeah, still swinging in New England. Keep that thing swinging. British people really like fighting. They do. They do. They like to bang. They like a lot of things over there. They like waistcoats, three-piece suits. They do not like jackers. No, they do not like dossers. They do not like s houses. Tyson Fury sound where him and his father say, I don't jack, I would never jack. I, I would jack back. Great talking with the great Caramel Vinny. I can go two hours with you just on fight stories. Just I got nowhere else to go. On, you know, Miguel Cotto sharing a bed with Brian Perez during HBO 24-7 a couple years ago. You can do with that information what you please. But Karen, one minute left. Do you have a message to your, to your listeners, to the listener of this podcast? Your future, you want to plug a book? What do you want to say to the people? Respect books. Wow. Respect books, respect box. Karen Mulvaney is out. You never know who you're going to run into on Radio Row. Which, Rafe, this is why this has become a tradition. We like to talk to people from different backgrounds. Nobody gets better interviews in boxing than the one and only Radio Raheem. So, sir, thank you for joining us. Jamal Charlo once asked you why they named you that. Is that true? Because suckers actually never play you, sir. Suckers never play me. This is an honor, first of all, let me say. Uh, you will always find me on Radio Row. I have no life outside of this sport. So <laughs> this should be no surprise. No matter where the fights are, I have camera, will travel. And uh, I really appreciate you guys pulling me in, man. This is going to oh, be cool. fun. So, dude, you're doing... Let, technically, tell everybody who you're working for. I see you for seconds out. I see you back in the day for Max Boxing. Who technically are you working for when you're out on the scene? I work for the fans. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. I'm employed by no one. I take my coverage and my footage and I license it to outlets so that they can put it on their respective platforms. Yeah, I, I believe uh, I'm a mission. I'm a mission-oriented guy, right? Uh, it, of course, there's a business aspect to it. I like to eat occasionally and have a roof over my head when it rains. So uh, the business element is there. But I really am just driven by the fact that boxing fans need a voice, and I hope that I have some ability to give voice to the people who are watching this sport, who are commenting uh, on my videos and telling me what they want to know. So more importantly than what I think is important is knowing what the fans want to hear and what the fans cool. want to ask, cool. and I try to be the guy that asks that question more so than anyone else. Now you're a guy who everybody knows, everybody knows the name, but you're a little bit mysterious. Is there, do you want people to know where you're from, who you are right there, your real name, or is this, I mean, did you did you pick the nickname from the great movie? I mean, what, what tell us more about this, the legend of Radio Raheem. I don't intentionally make myself mysterious. I just don't think I'm all that important, right? I'm a I'm a vehicle through which people get their questions answered. That's old school, you know, not putting yourself in, make not making yourself the story. Right. And to be honest with you, Radio Rahim was in like a nickname that I came up with uh, as we all went to grade school and were teased as children, or at least the nerds like myself were. I was always well spoken. I did. Uh, 
debate team and all these kind of yeah. things. And there was a radio station on my campus, and I hope this isn't too long-winded a story. No, no. Well, this is a but, long-winded podcast. So go for it. <laughs> fantastic. So in the basement, uh, I was at a performing arts school. They had a, a radio station that was dormant. I mean, listen, man, I went down and did the basement, and I saw literally equipment covered in a layer of dust. It was almost like a, a, an 80s coming-of-age movie or something. This is the Saved by the Bell episode I saw one yeah, time. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly what I'm talking about. So I blow this dust off and think, I'm like, yo, does this stuff work? So I get to futzing around with it, and indeed it does work. I go to the faculty, I'm like, hey, you think I could strike this up? We have a tower on top of our What school campus. is this? This is El Cerrito High School in the Bay Area in Northern California. And we had a, a radio tower on top of the, the school. This thing got like a five-mile radius. And they allowed me to do a post-school uh, day, pre- uh, you want to say press after conference, after-school show. I uh, started with 30 minutes, I played a little music, and it got to be less music, more talking. And in a nutshell, man, uh, I became Radio Raheem because the movie was out, and I hated being called that. <laughs> they were teasing me. They were saying Radio Raheem like, you know, like you're a geek, and they would do something that rhymes with my name, and that was it. And so for... My whole high school, I, I shunned it. I didn't go by that. Yes. And then even as a young adult, when I came to Hollywood and I started doing radio and doing broadcasting, um, uh, my godfather, who also trained me in boxing, was, uh, I was like, I was complaining one day. Like, they're still calling me Radio Rahim, man. I'm like, man, I never go by that. And he was like, they still call you that. So people remember it? He's like, yeah. And I can't say exactly what he said because it's a bit profane, but <laughs> he was like, uh, We'll stop being sensitive in effort and go with what works. And since then, I embraced it. And to this day, anyone who's heard my name once remembers it every time they Just see like me. Just like this guy. He hates Canelo, and I started calling him Big Red because of his red beard. He finally embraced it. Huh? Right. So, put, And that was my first lesson to put the ego aside, right? Hey, if that's what they want to call you, if that's what you are to them, then be who they need you to be. And ever since then, I've been Radio right. Rocky. You get so many great interviews. You make the soundboard. Here's another moment I love. Rip that suit off. <laughs> show everyone your ass. Rip that suit off and show everyone your ass, of course. We, we, that S stands for schlong. You were talking <laughs> to Joseph Parker. But seriously, you've interviewed everybody around the globe, dude. I don't know who's paying for this, but you're in England all the time. Congratulations to that. Who's the best quote in the game today? I'm going to say Tyson Fury, but I want you to answer. My family and friends are paying for this because they never get to see me, and uh, they get to actually watch and listen like you do. Uh, so to them, I owe everything. Uh, the best interview, say, uh, uh, you're asking, what's the best? Uh, you know, it's the gypsies. Funny. The gypsies. Call it to the Irish crew, man. Uh, let me say this. I did two interviews. I'll give you the most recent best because it's hard to give you an overall view. It changes. But most recently, I talked to Tyson Fury in his locker room, and it it got a bit contentious. And There's a a big debate as to whether or not I should have told him his fight sucked. And his reaction to that was fun, man. Listen, it did suck. It was very slow. We, it wasn't entertaining. That doesn't mean he didn't this wasn't win. Safari. You're talking about the second fight against. Yeah, uh, but that that fight sucked too. Against I mean, Pinata. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Pinata. <laughs> yeah. So you know, we can't after the fight go into the locker room and stroke these guys as though we didn't see what we just saw. If I think Canelo loses the first fight and I go in the locker room, I'm sitting with him. I'm respectful, yeah. but. I, I don't think you won the fight, so I'm going to ask questions relative to my perception on that. And sometimes the fans' perceptions differ from mine, and I'll take that into account when I'm asking questions. When Tyson Fury reacted the way he did, fans of his thought that uh, I had done something wrong. 
But really, when the interview was over, we both shook hands, we hugged. It's a mutual respect. A fighter will respect you if you're honest with them, and then they will in turn be honest with you, even if you disagree. So that actually was one of my most recent favorite interviews. And just before that, on fight uh, weigh-in day, I sat for 45 minutes with Deontay Wilder, a guy who is so brash, so loud and outspoken that you think you know him because he's so in your face all the time. But he gave me the opportunity to sit with him for 45 minutes and really, I believe, show me a side of himself, and not for my sake, but I think wanted to show the public a side of himself that had more dimensions to it, that was more layered than what we yes. normally get from him. And it was one of my favorite times, man, because these guys, they're all humans, and they all are complicated. They all have layers. Everything is not exposed because it's a combat sport. You don't want to be vulnerable. Yeah. So when they are willing to be vulnerable with me, there's no greater, first of all, compliment to me. And I feel like that's me doing my job right. the is, best I can do it. And is there a, a fighter out there right now who, you know, when you're, when you're going to go cover his fight, you're thinking... Man, it's going to be tough for one reason or another. Either the guy who's quiet or or someone who you know is always just going to like disagree with everything you say. Floyd, money, <laughs> Mayweather. <laughs> he's good for a soundbite when he's in the mood, but he and I have such a long history that I never know exactly how it's going to go. And to be fair, man, I've blown it sometimes talking to him because it, it can be so contentious that I try to get from him the same thing I just talked about. Yeah. Some honesty and which some vulnerability. Hard, it's really hard to get honesty. I haven't been around for about 15 years with Floyd. <laughs> but when, see, when you say it's hard to get honesty out of him, I think it's because his perspective he's honest about. He truly believes his perspective is correct. And to have that debate with him as to whether or not the way he sees it is the way it is, is a very... Uh, uh, difficult thing to do without getting cussed out or get your interview walked out yeah. on. So that's a tightrope that's difficult to walk, but I enjoy it. I definitely think about it long ahead of time and have to prepare myself mentally for anything that might happen. I saw you had contentious moments with Sean Porter, with Virgil Hunter back in the day. I thought <laughs> I thought little Virgil was gonna gonna take a swing or something here, man. But you get when you're on the front lines pushing pushing the questions for the people. There's there's a, there's some fire. What was the background on with Sean Porter? Because I was watching your interview with him last week, and, yeah. and at the end, you guys sort of like kiss and make up. And I was trying to remember like what what what, what when did that start? To be honest, I was surprised that he brought it up with yeah. the camera rolling because I don't think it was an on camera issue we were working out. Um, at times, uh, when I'm doing interviews and there's a scrum of yeah. other reporters around. They respect me enough to give deference to my time sometimes, which I appreciate. Um, and on occasion, he'd be like, no, I'm going to talk to him first. I'm going to talk to her first. I'm going to talk to him first because they were here first. And he didn't, I thought, understand that <clears throat> there's a pecking order in this, as in everything. Like, you know, if you're a champion, you enter the ring last. It's kind of like saying, no, I'm going to let him enter the ring last because, you know, he was at the arena first. It's not really how it works. So I got a, I got a, like offended by that, and maybe uh, he didn't understand or appreciate that. And then um, sometimes the way I word questions, he, fighters can be sensitive about Like um, I said he was defeated at some point. He was like, uh, you know, uh, are you trying to hurt my feelings or something? Which is, you know, a little tongue-in-cheek we're kind of joking about. But every now and then you got to air it out. Like, hey, man. I'm not trying to offend you, and, and, and for his sake, hey, I'm just trying to be fair to all the media guys and maybe doesn't understand the packing order, so we could rub each other the wrong way. He's a very good guy, as I am, but we're aggressive. 
We like to be in charge of what's going on. I'm in an interview. I feel like I'm in charge. Well, he's the fighter. He's like, hey, I'm doing an interview. I'm in charge. Right, so sometimes, yeah, we butt heads there. But make no mistake, we're good friends, man. I respect the guy a lot. I think that's mutual. And when you have a, a career as long as I have and, and dealing with people as long as I have with him, sometimes you just got to air it out and, you know, settle settle some differences. Hey, I think and, that's what we did. Uh, let me ask... You know, how is it that this profession sort of developed over the last few years where now, you know, on screen, on cam, you know, interviews with boxers one on one, whether it's you or anyone else or who's Ellie doing or them. Marcos Vegas. Right, I mean, this is like you guys are it's a big industry. They can live off this. Own. Is fantastic. Uh, is it, is it, I mean, is it, you know, has it gotten really competitive? Is it that, like, how do you keep an edge? Like, what's the, you know. It's a tough road to hoe. <laughs> uh, I think all the people you just mentioned, we all have our own unique styles, so we bring something different stylistically to our audience. Uh, I think there's room for everybody, but you got to carve out your, your territory, and it's not a big pie. Like, yeah, we're making a living, we're doing this, but all three of those guys, myself included, Ellie Secfrack, Marcus Viegas, we hustle. We don't always make money at this, and it took a while for each of us, I think, to find our niche and figure yeah. out what we deliver and serve our audience with that the other guys aren't doing, or at least not doing it the way we do it. So, yeah, it, to that effect, uh, those guys deserve a lot of credit for sticking in, finding their voice, finding out what they can do to service their audience, and making a living off of it. And the only way we make a living is that people watch, yeah. is that people share the stuff, is that people like you, when you acknowledge that, hey, you're doing something that's important, bring us on your telecast with a bigger audience or a different audience than we have. That's the kind of thing that keeps this motor running, keeps the, the trains moving. And uh, all elements are necessary. And what's so. the thing that, that's, you know, when you're, what's the thing about your style of interviewing that, that kind of, you, when you're thinking about this, that your work sets you apart? Yeah, from because by the way, like, like what's, Logan what's, Paul and KSI just did this giant thing, and you were in Logan Paul's locker room. The last time I saw it was like 10 million people watched that video. So what is it, either your style or your or your ability to get access that it, that is getting in front of everybody? I think I live this, and I live an honest life. So... Because this is my life, I deal with my subjects honestly, and I really do view myself as a conduit for the audience that's watching and listening to boxing. So the subjects, the fighters, the promoters, the trainers, they respect that. And I'm sure all the other guys that we mentioned uh, feel like they're doing honest work too, but for me, I have a certain relationship with these guys where I can confront them with questions that are uncomfortable. I can get them to be vulnerable in times when they weren't, and on occasion, they want to make their case to me. They want to talk to me specifically so that they can say, hey... This happened and that happened and it's being perceived this way, but this is what it really is. And they know that I'll be give them an, a fair shake. I'm not in one guy's camp or another. Uh, I'm not Team Canelo. I'm not Team Triple G. I'm not who's ever up and I, you know, I'm uh, 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 I'm sucking off on those guys. And I'm also when a guy is down. I'm fair with him, too. Hey, you know, you worked hard, you did a lot, you didn't win the fight, but here's the good parts about it. Let's talk about the bad parts and how we can change it. I'm even-handed with everybody, and I think that is the one thing that everybody respects. And the 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 micro, like, I feel like the microphone is part of, like, the signature Eddie Rahim, because, I mean, I don't know, but nobody else has, like, it almost, like, reminds me of, like, the old-school like, game show host. Like, Bob Barker? <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's not Yo. quite that, but it is, I don't know. It's, in, ke- in keeping with my nerd legacy, uh, when I would stay home from school and sometimes fake being sick, 
Bob Barker was a staple of my day. Wow, the influences like, there. Wow. Influencers, man. I liked something about those guys in suits with the microphones and the voice. Like, Bob Barker had a hell of a voice. So, you know, when you're a kid, you just attach yourself to things that you think are cool and you try to emulate. And I'm not saying I emulated Bob Barker, but that kind of thing was something that I thought was cool and stuck in my mind. So, producers have tried to take the mic out of my hand and give me, you know... Um, uh, lobs and whatnot like this, but you're right. It's kind of a signature thing, and to be honest with you, it helps me control the interview. Mm-hmm. If we both have equal yes, mics, yes. we can both be equally heard. Sometimes it's hard for me to cut in on a guy. Like a drunk and move Spence on. stole the microphone the other night in Brooklyn right. from you, and you know, and, yeah. and you also have to know when to let it go. In yes, that moment, I was yes. like, "All right, fellas." And he just started spitting gold. All right, to close with you, we we embrace the ridiculous on this show, and there's a trend in 2018. We call it hashtag load watch. Everyone's talking about. Everyone's saying let him shoot his load. These, these, these Floyd's telling Sal Pal, AC oh. Slater saying he shot his wad. Well, we, we know what about? we're talking about when boxers gas out, oh. when they're going for the knockout and then they come up short. Yeah. But people are embracing load watch in 2018. <laughs> when you do interviews, are you have you noticed this? Because you're on the front lines way more than us. I did not notice that, thank God, because I have no poker face. If somebody started talking about shooting their low with my mic in their face, I don't think I'm going to keep it together for a second. There it is. Radio Rahim, where can people follow you on social media? All right, Second Sound TV on YouTube is a great way to find my content. I'm a big Facebook guy. All of my work goes there, at least the best of it. Facebook is Radio Rahim. That's it. Just find me. And on Instagram, I like to have fun. So if you're more interested in my personality, like, you know, you feel I'm a little mysterious, you can get a window into my soul at Radio (laughs) Rahim Boxing on Instagram. Anyway, we appreciate the work you do, your sound. A lot of times we go, hey, did you hear what this guy said to Raheem? we got to play it right now. So we appreciate you, what you're adding to the Boxing Lexicon. Hopefully you're getting paid happily for the hard work you do going around the globe. Thank you so much for having me, guys. It's been a great honor and a pleasure. I can't wait to talk to you guys again and see you on Fight Night. Thanks a lot. Oh, you always got to get fired up at Media Row if you get a few minutes. Great (laughs) Abner Morris, who we love you as a fighter, but you know what we really love about Abner? He's got the best hair in all of boxing. I mean, you put a lot of work into that. Can we give you the credit that, that you deserve here? Thank you. Please, please do. Uh, especially now that I have a hat on. I mean, that's, you know, I have to I have to be showing my hair, but uh, it's a bad hair day today. I just woke up not too long ago. It's Vegas. You know how it is. You wake up the next day late in Vegas, but um, I'm having a lot of fun. I'm, I'm looking forward to this amazing fight, and, um, you know, as a fan, I'm excited. I mean, creative hair parts. Not to go back to the hair, but creative. I mean, no one comes to the ring more more ready to... Uh, <laughs> To uh, you know, take home a few ladies afterwards. You know like, what? I have actually. I'm, I don't know if a lot of fighters have this, but I have a, a my barber. I have him on payroll. He comes to my house. That is fantastic. Three times a week. Brother. You got to keep that tight. I, I have to work. I have to look fresh every, every, every all the it's time. True or false? Nothing so, makes a man feel better than a than a freshly. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, it's how you how you look is how you feel. You know. It's all right. I was good. at a media dinner last night. Great young fighter Joseph Diaz okay. Jr. was yeah. talking to him. I said, "What do you want to do next?" He said, "What happened to Morris?" <laughs> I said, "I love the crap out of that fight." Yeah. That, would you like the crap out of that? I fight? mean, I mean, being me realistic, I mean, I'm a, I'm a guy that says the truth, you know, nothing but the truth, and I'm an honest person. I would love that fight. I'll be an amazing fight, but it's never gonna happen. It's never gonna happen. Why? Because of the companies. We already know, you know, the the, the dispute they got. You know, their differences. But um, I mean, I'll be I'll be more than happy. But I truly don't see that happening. Um, there's other fights that uh, are being intensive right now, being uh, really close to being made uh, on my end. Yeah, with the, the Javante Davis. We got Davis. Does that feel like it's 
going to come together. Bro, he did, did, oh, you saw him last that. week. He looked like yeah, he, he's not ready that's, to come. You saw him yesterday on TMZ. Pounds, he, threw, he threw a two-piece at some dude in Baltimore. He got arrested. I heard about that. I heard about him being arrested this morning. Uh, he got into a fist fight. Uh, but, yes, it's a 90% uh, sure that it's going to happen. Oh, uh, it's my already God. Been that talked would be about. incredible. Uh, another fight that got um, offered for myself was a Gary Russell fight. Mm. So I have no fight, no bad fight, you know, being, being thrown at me. He mentioned Gary, I mean, uh, Joseph Diaz, but, you know, that's that's um, almost impossible to fight. But these these two fighters are, are possible because we work on the same company, and, I mean, they're easy to be made. So uh, I'm looking forward to, to my future i definitely want to fight this year by the end of the year and um but that tank fight i think i think that's gonna happen oh man do you know a fight we never got it's still marinating you and rafe's boy in terms of the great marination man we came close to that there there were people sending checks loaded briefcases i Mm -hmm. mean we came close back then what was that? Was that 2012-ish? No, Nito was right? still like number two pound for pound. You were this rising guy. You're not afraid to hit a guy in the ball bag if you Bro. have to. Thank you, Russell Moore. <laughs> that would have been uh, a ball. Who would have won that fight in 2012? Come on, give us the juice. Out there. But um, I think, man, it would have been an amazing fight. Then it was like, I mean, I, obviously I, I was, I'm going for myself. You know, I definitely thought that I would have won, but uh, it would have been an amazing fight. And it's funny you mentioned that. After this last fight against uh, Leo Santa Cruz, you know, when, yeah. where I saw for my, my defeat, a close fight, good fight, Nonito Donair was mentioned. Ooh. And I said, let's do it. And guess what? He said, I'm moving back down. Oh, come on. He <laughs> so he moved down. Now he, yeah, yeah, he went into that tournament. So it didn't happen. So it's crazy. I'll, it's never happened. And I don't, I don't think it's going to happen for, you know, one or two reasons. But, uh, but it would have been a, a great fight. All right, Rafe collects boxing swag. He's got a, he, he showed up to, in Vegas today with an Alexander Usyk sweatshirt. He's got a Terrence Crawford hat. He's got an Andrew Garcia hat. You were one of the first guys to get it with the branding, to develop yeah. the AM Abnormaris logo there, man. Thank you for noticing I mean, that. Thank I got, you. you know, one of my yeah. favorite swag gifts I ever got was I got the bandana, the bandana. with the skull. My kids yeah. love that. Have They're you ever like, worn it? I wear it around my house with my kids. They love it. <laughs> Halloween is coming, bro. Why like, does he wear yeah. that? And I go, because he's trying to scare Riggin down. That's what I used to tell him, but that was back in the day. So, yeah. I mean, you, you you got ahead of the game with that. You understood yeah. how to play it. Exactly, man. And, and thank you for throwing that out there and, and, and seeing that. Yeah, I was one of the few fighters that started the branding. The, the you know, mm-hmm. actually got my logo Whoa, tatted on my hand. He's showing us his right hand. He's you got know, the logo um, on the hand. Uh, my hats, the, the my wardrobe, everything, bro. And I mean, started with Under Armour, now with uh, I'm partnered with Adidas. So you know, I'm, I've been blessed that I've had a great team and, and they helped me with that. And I mean, you got to give you props for your stuff actually looking good. Like it actually has some thought behind it. Some, you know, some people will just throw their initials out there. That's and, true. You know, yeah, it's not a bad. It's not my logo is not that bad looking. A lot of people even outside of the ring, you know. You know, people that don't know anything about boxing is like, yo, what brand is that? I want to buy that. I'm like, that's my brand. I'm a boxer. You know, like, it's that type of brand. You got a website anyway, we can plug here? Can we you know what? I, yeah, please. Uh, Abnormitis Official. You can purchase my my, uh, my shirts, my hats at Abnormitis Official. And the stuff shows up because yes. I got a bone to pick with Errol Spence if he's listening. I know he's not. Because I, <laughs> I ordered a hoodie from his website. Never showed up. Man. Really? He will kick your yeah. ass. Well, he will. He will. But, you know, I'll I'll just, tell, end, but just, just send me home with a hoodie and I'm happy. <laughs> oh, my man, Errol Spence. I think he was drinking during that when he, when he called <laughs> Another, another topic, another topic. <laughs> I want to talk about that Leo rematch, though, yeah. by the way. I thought you had an argument to have won that. I thought you made the right adjustments from the first yeah. fight. I was proud of your performance. Mm-hmm. But the way you guys meshed. And I know you lost yeah. twice, so I don't think we're going to yeah. see a trilogy. But you guys had a Barrera-Morales-type, yeah. you know, a Vasquez-Marquez-type uh, just combination yeah. where I'm like, fight forever, guys. Fight yeah. forever. And, it, you know, you say that 
a third fight might not happen. Hey, it, it, I, there's a lot of possibilities. We I, were talking about I mean, that they're also. great fights. I mean, they always fights. do well. Yeah, I mean, exactly. you, you know, you feel it. I mean, in LA, you know, because yeah, despite both the decision, fight fans want to see those type of fights. You know, the the, the exciting, you know, all war, toe to toe type of fights. Uh, I mean, uh, it's easy for me to say, you know, being that I lost twice with close fights, and I honestly still feel that I could beat them. You know, um, you know, but but uh, again, you know, I think I want to fight them. Hopefully, we get a third fight going. But right now, we're looking at other fights. But uh, uh, man, you can't, you know, you can't discredit, you know, my 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 abilities, that my heart. I always I always come out and, and show, you know, a great. Uh, I give a great performance. And I'm, I'm, you know, you you. You're seasoning well in this mm -hmm. sport, you know. You said I me mean, there was all this talk about you fighting yeah. Nito Donaire years ago, and he's, you know his career is sort of you know. He's, Bro, I have no bad fights. I'm, I'll fight anyone. I'll fight anyone right now. You know, we talked about Gary we'll Russell, you, about Tank can, Davis okay. moving up on weight. Like, <laughs> look at my resume. I have no bad fights. Even 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 when I lost, they've, they've been exciting. You know, the only time I got knocked out, <laughs> it was an exciting fight. <laughs> I got knocked out in the first round, but even when I lose, I, I make it exciting. That fight broke my heart. I'm sure it broke yours because I was on the for the fights before yeah. that. Abner's fun, but is he really that good? And then I put you in the pound for pound top ten, and I'm like, this is my Bro, guy. I believe in him. That's but crazy. I, look, when you when you when you come with the sword, sometimes yeah, you're gonna get hit. It's, you know, it was a great performance from Johnny. First round, you get caught sometimes. Get right? caught, yeah, it, I thought I was doing good. I was doing well actually. That very first round, and I just I got caught with one of those punches very early in the round, first round. Outdoor, it was you know it just a lot of things. Yeah, I was at the sub up. So um, I mean, I'm not taking anything away from it. He caught me a good punch, and you know, it's boxing. All right, we want to see you back in the ring. You're in a loaded division, a 26-30 area, a lot yes. of big names. Best of luck to you, man. Thanks Thank so much you for joining. So much. Anything you want to tell the fans on the way out? Um, that Abner Modis is not done. Abner Modis is still here. Um, give me two, three more years, and uh, I'll be I'll be another world champion soon to be five time. Thank hey, you no so need much. Call Uncle Al. Let's make it happen. <laughs> no need to pull up and wait. <laughs> I'm reacting. Wow, he's already talking before we even introduced him. It's Eric Raskin of the HBO Boxing Podcast, former Ring Magazine star, just a ESPN, a boxing lifer, the author of poker. I just met her. No, the author of uh, Chris Moneymaker and the so, Money the Moneymaker. Yes, yeah. yeah, so he gets, I didn't, he gets I didn't author, title I didn't author Chris Moneymaker. I didn't author McSurley's Kriegel and me. Yes, but yes. you left out a very key credit: former boxing contributor for Grantland.com. That's right. Oh, hey, hey, take that. Yes, all right, uh, Eric Raskin. We've talked to our friends in, in the boxing media today about a lot of subjects about the fight that gave them the most feels in person. I don't think I've ever had this conversation with you. Okay. You've been to a lot of fights. You also, because you have old balls, kind of predate a lot of us where you went to some late 90s fights. You followed uh -huh. the Arturo Gotti uh -huh. train for a while. Uh -huh. Do you have one fight, one moment, one punch, one intro, one, like for me, I always point to it. It's a weird one. Floyd Canelo weigh-in. It was the first time they that used the full one. arena. Because when I he said in, he was born ready? The stereo was rocking, <laughs> and it was like this was a moment. I've had some of those, certainly in fights. I've had moments. What about you, dude? Tell I me what you felt. Ready. What has felt you up before? <laughs> so I've got a very obvious one, but I'll follow up with maybe a slightly less obvious feels moment. Both from the same night, the best fight I ever attempted, the best fight I've ever seen, Gaddy Ward won. Oh, wow. Oh, Ward, wow. Ga Ward Gaddy won, technically, since Mickey won the fight. And Gaddy had, by the way, no first. business getting up from that body shot. <laughs> you love when anyone gets up from a body shot. They had no business this doing it. It's true. That's your policy on body shots. So the, the first moment is that. Yeah, go ahead. Round nine. Just, like, losing my mind, 
stop ta- trying to take notes, just watching it. And I've told this story uh, a few times, but that Lou DiBella was sitting next to me. Lube, yes. Lou yes. Lou DiBella. <laughs> That's his brother. It's his cousin. No, sorry, it's Lube. his cousin Lou. Runs yeah. the Jiffy Lube downtown. Um, he was sitting next to me. I didn't realize he was an advisor to, to Mickey Ward at the time. I thought he was just kind of an impartial observer, got in on his former HBO creds, whatever. He started going nuts during that ninth round and was actually violently elbowing me in the ribs, freaking out o- over what he was seeing, uh, and then actually got up from his seat and like ran toward the ring late in the round because he thought they were stopping the fight. Uh, that is my favorite fight guy. of all time, and you were friggin' there. You I was were, there. What, third row? I mean, you were in the typical yeah, media section? Yeah, about the third row. That so, fight, unlike Castillo Corrales, which people knew in the first round, that Gotti Ward one took a few rounds to, to heat up. What was the moment where you're like, this isn't just fight of the year, this is potentially the most emotional thing I've ever seen? I mean, seen. It, it was that ninth round. It was really good at various points until then, and... Yeah, maybe it was already crossing my mind that this is headed toward fight of the year, but it wasn't until the night that you were like, oh my god, I'm witnessing something that I've never seen before and might never see again, that it was on that level. Although, you brought up Castillo Corrales. Corrales Castillo, I should say. I gotta, gotta, gotta put the names in the proper order. Um, that was a fight that had a build as well. I, I, for me, that one was very gradual. It was like, no, good, that one good, was in was your good face. From the start. Al Bernstein around one said, like, he, I forgot what the comment was, but it was something to the effect of, like, we could be on our way to the fight of the year. All right, man. If, well, maybe he saw it. Was before that. he liked that. that Oh, that, yeah, 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 yeah. Before he discovered yeah. Twitter, <laughs> the butt stuff, yeah. My favorite tweet of his was the one that said the letter G. Yes. <laughs> that was a great tweet. Wasn't that a good one? It was very in line with Sugar Ray Leonard and, you know, that, the guy that he knew on the movie. And, yeah, James, right. thank you, James Beck. Jr. But so anyway. getting to my, to my other field moment, though, from yes. Daddy Ward was after the fight. Fight's over. Press conference is over. If I remember right, neither fighter was at the press conference, uh, just some of their camp talking and whatever. I go back out into the arena with, I was with Nigel, and I think maybe Ron Borges was hanging around with us too. There was another person there, but it was Did basically. to borrow your notes by any chance? Is that too soon? <laughs> go ahead, go ahead, keep going, keep going. No, but uh, if he spoke, it was in a run on sentence for sure. Um, <laughs> sorry, Ron. Um, <laughs> so we were just hanging out there, and it was just like empty, and it was this feeling of like the night was over, there was no reason to hang around. We just kind of didn't want to leave. We were still like soaking yes, in the feels. Yes. Like we knew that we had seen something special. Feel and we so weren't ready to go. Oh, home it's yet. like it's like BC's story of going to Jimmy's Corner in New York after uh, the Golovkin, yes, Golovkin Stevens, Stevens fight. When I ran and into he, Lampley, he, he was yes. chest to chest with Lampley. He's for real, Jimmy. He's for real. He's for real. And <laughs> you're damn right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I actually have that still please, saved. Please in my tell phone me exactly he said you're goddamn right because that would really no. Be. But he had like that long jacket on that was like a cape. Oh, said, there's only one cape yeah, in boxing. Seriously. All right. Oh, I know what he said. He said, he has the finest craft of any destroyer that I've ever seen. You're damn right he's for real. And then he turned and walked into the New York night. And it was really the greatest <laughs> moment of my life. I really think it was. Sometimes you just want to sit there and linger. You know? <sighs> I, see, I know you've spent some time hanging out with with Oscar in Vegas recently. And you've dubbed those some of the greatest moments oh of your God. life. So you got, you got to decide. you got to pick something. Hey, all right, he, he, I, I thought you said the greatest moment of your life was the time we were washed drunk in Vegas. And you got me to do the Ron Stander. Oh, that is another oh. Oh, that was in another the Shake Shack HBO line. legendary night right yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. What happens in Vegas is usually sloppy for us. But like when we, <laughs> Eric, you were there when we met our campion, Eric oh, Morales. Yeah, of course. Rafe and I talk about it on the show many times. I've got the framed picture above my podcast equipment. Do you want to tell the fans any, any, you know, uh, were you as embarrassed tracks? as I was? Any I bonus was mortified. I was not. I was, I was amused, I think, more than anything. But if, if I may pat myself on the back here, everyone walked right by. I was the one who noticed El Campeon, and I said, hey, you know, 
we just walked by Eric Morales, and then you were the one who said, "Well, we're not letting this opportunity slip right, away." Right, because we had a Rocky Juarez moment the year before. You know, <laughs> I'm going to put Eric Morales a notch above Rocky Juarez, although uh, the Rocky Juarez photo might have been better. I don't know. They're both that great photos, true. That really. Is true. But yeah, you you uh, were determined to make sure that he understood that you respected the hell out of him for the Maidana fight. That yeah. that, that is like because he that, had no that's business, no, <laughs> one eye closed, no being business in that fight. getting up from that. Oh wait, no, the other no business. <laughs> Huevos. Uh, you are a friend of the pod. You've been on the show. You're a listener, I believe, of this uh, absolutely. podcast. Absolutely. Never miss one. I got a key question. And one of our listeners wants us to do like an NCAA tournament bracket style of the best soundboard. Because the soundboard becomes the third oh. host of the show. Do you have a favorite soundbite on the In This Corner with Chris Max? I mean, with Brian Campbell <laughs> podcast. Hmm, that's a good question. Favorite, favorite, on, or do on you the think board. somebody is the MVP of the soundboard? I mean, you know, because there's a lot I, of players. I always in this game. love when you drop in a let, let me pour some water on your balls. Yes, that, yes, that, that, that yes. kind of started the whole soundboard movement. Right, I, mean, I feel the, like that's right. That's yeah. that's kind of the original. Um, I'm trying to think. Nassim Ahmed's been getting in there uh, yeah, quite a yes, bit that's lately. True. Um, I still don't even like quite know. The point of what he was saying there, or what that's all about, <laughs> I, I, but I, lo- I think you should. I think you should finish. It sounds terrible, right? But I think he should finish. I think he was saying it, Chris Eubank Jr. Yeah, should done. retire done. because he doesn't have it right. in him to go after it in the late rounds. Right. No, because he's just re- if he can't out if, if he if he can't box well enough to even be in the fight against George Groves, yes. then what is yes. he doing in yes. this sport? Right. I mean, so he he's disgusted with the. So was he saying like he should be finished, but just saying retire. it weird? Right. And then the other guy's like a weird Britishism. Yeah. And then the other guy's like, no, 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 that's too harsh. That's too harsh. Right. I think Tyson Fury is the MVP of our soundboard. soundboard you know? yeah. I mean, you're kind of—he would never jack. You're you know? juking the stats, though. I mean, you're 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 playing him more than you play the, the shout out to the Irish crew, hoy hoy, with the with the Tyson Bruno rap every uh, podcast, as, as he should, as as he should. <laughs> but I would say this isn't really soundboard exactly, but. The, the cruising was made for box theme song mm, is yeah. a key moment yeah, that was in every podcast. Run. Yeah. A good run, yeah. yes, yes, uh, yes. Thank you. You know, let me. I'm gonna. I'm gonna live act a little sound drop for you, and okay. it might it might give you some feels. Okay. Bill, you're an asshole. <laughs> no mito. Donero. <laughs> and I gotta say, while we're pouring some water on our own balls in front of you and asking you your favorites on our show, we're very much inspired. By Ring Theory, the original. I don't know what that is. Yeah, I never heard of it. By the original boxing. Oh, by the, it's by the guys it's, who went on to do Breaking Bill. Is that yeah, what you're talking oh, that's about? still around. All right, yeah, we <laughs> we are inspired and, and steal a lot of your uh, a lot of your what you put out in the ethos. So thank you for that. And Eric thank you for here. keeping us alive. Thank you. Uh, what did you do with the money that you that you screwed from people all those years? Did it ever go anywhere? Bill's cap the only person I screwed really was Detloff. I claimed I was giving him half, but about thirty three percent maybe went his way. Um, but look, we weren't in it for the money. Thank yes, God. Yes. And <laughs> you never got your ass kicked, which I thought eventually somebody would find out what you were saying <laughs> all behind about the, the paywall. All about the paywall. Yeah. All right. Uh, I asked. We had Kieran, your partner at HBO. Kieran. Yeah, Kieran. Yeah. Quotes um, on partner. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's 2018. Look, yeah, it's, yeah, sure. it's 2013. Boxing athletes sleep with a lot of women. You know, women, you know? Uh, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's 2018. Podcasts sleep with no women. Oh, um, uh, yeah. So I asked Kieran earlier, just kind of because you guys you, you do such a great job at HBO, but you really only get to talk about HBO fighters. This and, is true, and that's fine. You know. But you know, we, we, I want to hear what you. I want to pick your brains sure. about the rest of the sport. Like, who, who, well, what do you? What, you know, what's what are you? What are you psyched about? Or where do you, where do you fall on this whole on on 
the uh, the love triangle between Mikey Garcia, Bud Crawford, and and Errol Spence. Like, how you know? What do you want to see out of that? I, Who, who's the Who's the real deal? Right. So, so I don't watch any fights that aren't on HBO. Just to be clear, oh, I just wow. read what's on Twitter about them. Um, do you ever <laughs> no. watch on the Brown Sugar app? I think that's where you can get bounced these days. <laughs> I, I'm about to download shots. Should oh, I do that? Wow. wow. I think Floyd's going to announce the uh, Guerrero <laughs> pay-per-view numbers on that. So so it's really interesting what's going on with the welterweight division and around there. And I agree, I'm pretty sure this is the opinion that you guys have stated, that it should be the, the two fights we need are Mikey and Lomachenko and Crawford and Spence. Those are the matchups we really want. So this, this Mikey-Spence thing, it's great if it happens, I'm pumped. But it, it, it's not the ideal scenario there. Crawford and Spence... Uh, are clearly the top two at 147 and all this you know Sean Porter's very good Danny Garcia is very good Keith Thurman if he ever fights again very good but to me that's the battle for supremacy that's the battle that could give us a clear number one pound for pound if we get Spence and Crawford I'm dying to see that fight and I really think Lomachenko and Mikey is a, a fascinating fight uh, it's that it's that's the fight that where you'll ask the question you know has Lomachenko is he taking on someone that, that's oh, yeah. that, that's at both the skill level and the size to get the better of him? So I'd love to see both of those fights. Uh, I'm sure that means instead we're going to get none of those fights. Uh, nobody's going to cross the street, uh, and uh, I'm going to have to Boxing just watch whatever's splintered. on shots. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, will you go as far? Look, these, this welterweight era right now, it's not, that's not the four kings of the 80s and all that. Okay, let's sure. not go there. Okay. But is it is it Trinidad, Oscar, Shane, Obakar, shout out to Obakar, and uh, Vargas in Corte of the late 90s, which produced a lot of great fights and moments and fighters. Can we get there with Spence, Crawford, Thurman, Porter, Garcia, maybe Mikey Garcia, uh, Rod Salco? Can we get there with that group? (laughs) Uh, I think we can if if they all fight each other or if the key fights get made. I think we can. I don't think I'm going to end up ultimately comparing this group talent-wise, favorably to the 90s group. I I think I'm going to end up saying that those late 90s, early 2000s guys were a hair better overall. Although, who knows? Spence and Crawford might be so good that they'll prove it. Uh, An old ball hair better, yes. On Chris Mannix's podcast, not the In This Corner. Right, not In This Corner with Brian Mannix. The the Yahoo Boxing Chris Mannix podcast in my corner. Yahoo Sports. Um, No, it's your bull. It's your bull. Oh, it's got to be your bull (laughs) with your pour water on my balls. No, um... Because it's your dog. Peanut butter? Right. Oh, okay. Road trip. Come yeah. on. <laughs> uh, no. Um, he had, he had Kellerman on this week and, and I, Max just went out, went all the way out on the limb for Terrence Crawford, uh, mm-hmm. which I, I kind of he said he's an all timer. Yeah. He, he says he is an all time great like, in right, his prime. Right. And he said Spence is, is looking like a great of his time. But that that does that mean Max will be announcing on ESPN soon? Is this a hidden? Uh, Stranger uh, things have happened. Yes, yes. I, but I, I mean, I like that he said that. I mean, I I don't. We obviously can't tell. We can't right. say without the benefit of history and a little bit of hindsight. But Crawford's know. a tricky one too because it is fair to poke holes in his resume and say who who's he fought against who against who. Um, He's got that one. <laughs> oh, I'm so damn late to this. It's just, you know. You think I care about what the freak that guy that acted that way, that behaved that way, that I care what he thinks of me? No. 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 <laughs> Radio Raheem. <laughs> Which, which reminds me of actually what my answer should have been for the, for the favorite, favorite, uh, item on the soundboard was Teddy yelling in, incoherently, I love you! <laughs> I'll make you a bet! Yes, yes, yes. Um, so yeah, what was I saying before? Oh, the Crawford, the, the quality of his opposition. He hasn't fought 
uh, anything resembling an A-level guy in, in that fighter's prime, at that fighter's prime weight. If, if he beats Spence, absolutely, I'll, I'll sign up for this guy's this guy's on that all-time level. Oh, sorry, I hit that. Sorry, I didn't cut you off. Yeah, no, all right. You got anything else for a Commented on my beard yet, Ray? Well, I want to. I want to get your avoid opinion. It. He's trying to. I like that you got an underbeard with the beard. You got the beard, well, but it's like a I, I have a little line I shaved down here, so it's not all the way down. You're like halfway across the Adam's apple. Which like which, which subscription uh, online business shave kit do you prefer? Are you a, a Harry's Shave Club guy? Are you a Are you a uh, Simmons Podcast Gillette? Live read guy. Can, can we talk about how how bad his uh, Gillette live reads are? That's my least favorite of his live reads because it's always the same thing. He talks about when he Going started to... shaving. I've been shaving since high school. Or I've been shaving since college. That's also, what it is. I'm and also, just tying it into the Patriot stuff just makes it makes yeah, it come it's, off it's, worse. It's not, it's, it? it's not his best live read. Yeah. I actually I, I am a Harry's guy. I'm on, oh, I'm on Harry's. You really are. But not on a not on a regular subscription. I I order as I need it. So, wow, yeah. this podcast just just died. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, hey, we can follow him on Twitter at Eric Raskin. That's correct. Okay, you can just buy his name. books, listen to his podcast. Do you have any message for the listeners of the In This Corner podcast or boxing fans in general as we let you go? Yeah, make sure you listen to this podcast at two x speed because that's how Brian Campbell wants you to oh, hear it. God. That's his ideal. If you have friends that host a podcast <laughs> and you don't listen to that friend's show in, in anything but one x speed, you're not their friend. I, I right? don't listen to wow. anything at one x anymore unless it's heavily produced like the music is part of it or this something this show is but the I'll most produced the res- show of the whole time I'll show you the respect of letting you know I go 1.5x on your no, that's, most that's, odds I, I go that's a big deal I'm a, I'm a so. 2.2 man myself 2.2 okay. there's Ooh. no way you can actually enjoy against who <laughs> alright we gotta we gotta let you, it go you gotta, gotta hear it. Teddy at 2.2 you gotta hear it to change your life man Eric Raskin's out alright you know I wanna bring in one of my best friends in the business ESPN's Brett Okamoto, more more well known, of course, as the voice, the guy in MMA coverage around the globe, the man. But I did a podcast with him back in the day on ESPN, and through the years, Brett, you've covered your fair share of boxing. So welcome to the CBS Sports In This Corner Boxing Podcast. Yeah, I got I got the uh, I got the lucky setup where I live in Vegas, so. I don't have to go to every boxing match, which I don't think I could take, honestly. I don't think I could take. Not, nothing against boxing, but it's just, it's not a sport that keeps my, my attention. You know, there, yeah, you I think baseball, real exciting sport. Uh, exactly. I, everyone always talks about how no one shows up at an undercard to a boxing match, but I get it. I can't watch seven boxing matches in a row. Dan know? Rayfield, but, we know, shows up for those undercards because he's going to show us that picture. Well, Rayfield is Rayfield, though. <laughs> I, I, uh, but that one that you show up for is like maybe the most exciting thing you'll see all year, so. Yeah. Well, the main events, that's a main event industry in business. You have covered some bad ESP, uh, fights for ESPN. Did you cover Arislandi Lara, Vanis Martirosian one? Oh, man. Probably, but I don't even remember that. Remember How that do you? draw? <laughs> Is that the headbutt draw? That was the headbutt draw, yeah, with the cut, yeah. If it was here, yeah, probably. Yeah, I think it was, it was like the plaza a, or something. Yeah, because there was another fight on Showtime that night, a big one, like a Canelo or something. It was. It was in a ballroom somewhere, a yeah. dimly lit ballroom yes. with like nobody in there. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, Brett, we did the uh, the five rounds podcast back in the day in MMA. It's great to be reunited here. You were embedded in Triple G's camp in Big Bear Lake. So, you know, this is an evergreen show. We don't care about your prediction. We want to know what's life with Triple G really like. Kind of boring, to be honest with you. Um, all he does is wake up, walk downstairs, get into a boxing ring and work out. And then walk back upstairs and closes his door and goes to sleep. I mean, that's literally the only thing that he does. And 
And then it's like, I was talking to Abel Sanchez about it. Well, like, what does he do in between his fights? And Abel's answer was like, he does nothing. He goes home, he sits there, he waits for his next fight to come back up here and then do nothing but box again. I mean, the, talking about a guy who, like, really, that is only thing he does. I think he's got a son who plays hockey, right? Yeah, Vadim. Yes, named and after his late brother. Supposed to be very good. So I think he's interested in hockey now. But beyond that, I don't know that this guy does anything else. You know, you've seen MMA fighters, boxers train. You, you've been around combat sports. Is there anything, like, that sticks out about Golovkin? Or really any, like, just some, you know, training camp stories. Like, who, who yeah, who's different? Who does something weird? Weird. I mean, I mean, uh, you know, when I think of weird, I think of Tony Ferguson oh, from God, the UFC. Yeah. That guy's just weird in general. And I say <laughs> that with with all the love in the world, that he's a good type of weird. But I mean, I've been to his gym and I've watched him like elbow a steel pole over and over he again. He does Seagal type stuff. Remember right. when Seagal broke out of the coma in uh, Hard to Kill? Right? I, I remember well. It took him a while <laughs> to get back up into the you know to the strength where he could take down that tree. Yes, but, uh, yes, yes. That, I mean, yeah, you want to be entertained by watching the fighter workout? Go see Tony Ferguson. Golovkin is more of the traditional stuff, but it's so cliche. But like the best guys in the business work the hardest and stay the longest. That, I mean, that's that's how it is in every sport. Kobe's it's a pretty boring, boring say, dude. Unless he's in a Colorado spa, which you probably frequented a few times. <laughs> I have no comment on that one. All right, all right, all right. Uh, Brett's a big-time Cleveland Browns fan. Rafe, you got any comments on that? Shoot, man. I'm from New York. I don't know nothing okay. about football. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Just, just Did you guys see that tie? Did you watch it? I did not watch big, it. Big I'm a big fan, Manziel fan. I'm waiting for that. Uh, I'm waiting for that. Uh, I don't know what I'm waiting for, but yeah, hey, who we'll do they have as quarterback right now? They got a good, they got, they got the, May, the, the Baker Mayfield bro. Is he working out or not? No, Tyrod Taylor. Oh, from the damn Bills, yeah. yeah you yeah. got to groom May, May, uh, Mayfield a little bit. All right, all right. Here's Moxie, sure. though. I'm sure when we're uh, oh six and one and seven games in, he may get a shot. See, he said we. We grew up in Greater New York. You can't say we. You can get your ass kicked for that. Not Red's really. not helping the Browns win. Is that true? You no. can't say we. Or I come from a Connecticut in a dirtbag factory town. Yeah, yeah. They'll put they'll put hands on you if you try to, you know. <laughs> Hey, this podcast has devolved. For what team? Yeah, go ahead. What team? Yankees? I grew up right in in the crosshairs of Yankees, Mets, and Red Sox, where it's it's a big, big pot. And no one says we. I feel like that's that's false. No, I'm serious. I've heard people say we. No, not where I'm from. But anyway, nobody really cares. Don't come to Litchfield County. No, I grew up in the Valley. Come on. on. I'm no no Litchfield County guy. Come on. All right. So, Brett, uh, you've covered some big ones, though, through the years. You've done a few. You've done the Mayweather Tour. You've done the Pacquiao Tour. Do you have a, uh, a big moment that stands? Out the most? Did you catch the feels at all? Unboxing? This is what we like to talk about. We like to talk about feels in boxing. In boxing, yeah. I don't know why, but uh, Amir Khan versus Zab Judah. I caught the feels in Mandalay. Wow. With that, with that body, with the with the shot to the uh, to the line. Yeah, I don't know why that one has always stuck out, but I, I thought it was a fun fight leading up to it, obviously, and. Uh, yeah, for whatever reason, man, that, that you would not have guessed that, right? But Zab Judah, Amir Khan, July twenty fourth, two thousand twelve. Yeah, that was and Prime Khan's army year. Yes, that, was that night it was. That night, I wrote a piece for ESPN saying Khan's the next big thing, and I got tweet after tweet of people saying he's going to get knocked so out. You the caught next the feels day. that night? Oh, too? I did too. Khan looked like a freaking machine. That night. I mean, Brian will catch the feels for almost any half decent <laughs> performance <laughs> in any sport. Yeah, or <laughs> this is true. This is true. Uh, was it similar to your Luke Rockhold is going to be the, the, the yes, next it is. The I best did fighter in the world? That Luke Rockhold deserves to be pound for pound number one, and then he got knocked out at UFC 199. One of the lower moments in pre-writing history. That's why, folks, you don't write the column before the thing happens. Uh, that doesn't stop you from doing it, though, does well, it? Well, I was ordered to do it. We'll get to that at another time. <laughs> so, Brett, um, you like boxing, but you cover MMA, and this Connor Habib Nurmagomedov. October 6th. Look at Rafe. Rafe backing up. Oh. I don't know. Rafe doesn't want anything to do with this UFC 229. People are anointing it as the biggest fight in MMA history before it happens. But 
this going this to go two, two plus million pay per view buys? Is this going to be a cultural event? Are we going to look back at this as the as the, the tent pole sticking up? Thank you, Scott Coker, as, as a as a big moment in the timeline of of uh, pay per view history. Sitting here now, no, but they have a press conference in New York next week. Right now, there's like no buzz on it. Um, which is good and bad. It means that Connor and Khabib are taking it really seriously, but it also means they're not out there selling it. And, and I still don't know how many people know Habib in this country. That's true. So you got to get out there and sell it. They will. Just next, play the video of him wrestling week. bears, bro. Like that's it. That's easy, right? That's an easy. That's low hanging fruit for all. Uh, he's going to go on like some talk show rounds, and he, we are going to see that video over and over again for sure. So, you know, sometimes in life, in art, Brett, if people walk away early, if they retire too soon, they get over-embellished of their contribution to their art form. Kurt Cobain comes to mind right away. Look, I love me some Nirvana, but this guy didn't reinvent the wheel, all right? Pretty decent songwriter, really screwed up guy. Not in the Pantheon, I'm sorry. But if Conor McGregor won this fight and just decided, you know what, I got a lot of money. I'm not taking on these these killers in this division anymore. I'm going to go maybe box Pauly one more time and then just go oh, spend money even, and, and bang a few times. Um, <laughs> Do you have the tape? <laughs> um, he, he, he would be in that GOAT conversation. Fast forward. I mean, this is... I mean, what I'm saying is this fight's great on so many levels, but if Conor wins this, like, we have to put him at that upper table. He's going... He's 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 there, brother. All right? No. Grab the goat by the horns. He's there. He's in the, no. he's in the talk. No, he's not even close How to goat you? talk. He's How not even close to it. He is in the talk of the most influential fighter of all time, one of the smartest fighters of all time, one of the most talented fighters of all time, but... You cannot compare, even if he goes out and beats Habib, you cannot compare that with what Anderson Silva did, with what George St. Pierre did, with what John Jones did. I mean, every, he had he had laid the framework to be the GOAT, but then he didn't build the house on top of it. Oh, that I house. like that. I like that. I like that. Words here. Oh, you know, we <laughs> talked about, speaking of McGregor, the one-year anniversary of Mayweather, McGregor. And did you see Ray's reaction? He was like, get out of here. Because Disgusted. that was boxing's reaction was like, get this crap away from me, guys. We survived it. Let's never talk about it again. Yeah. But you were on the MMA side. And I'm sure somebody ordered you to write it, but you wrote one of these... One year later, and I felt like the MMA fans and media were, were trying to look at this. I'm not saying you were, but they were trying to look at this as like a cultural, historical moment for our sport. We won. What did we win? You didn't win anything. It was two famous guys that got together for a uh, celebrity boxing match. I don't think so, man. I don't get the sense that the MMA community is like, oh, this was like really awesome for us or like we proved something. Or I, I do. I get that sense. I don't right? get I'm eating sandwiches layered in that. Right? I don't get that sense. I think that you're going to say something right about MMA before Brett leaves, Brian. This, uh, this was what used to make our podcast is Brian would throw out a bunch of stuff and I would tell him how he knew nothing and it was very successful and I would feel right back at home it's like we never left yes uh, I think I think this this sport has been like uh, what's the conditioned the fan base has been conditioned to like really celebrate when it's in the, the mainstream eye yes. and so they did do that but as far as like being real proud of their guy or thinking that you know I don't know. You run into the kooky ones who say that he he won, he was winning the fight yes. and that you know he just ran out of gas and if he had just his cardio was a little bit better he would have won the fight. Well, then I talk to Floyd's people and they're like, he did not even train for the fight. People like that's yeah. how dare you, BC? How he trained hard for that fight? Hey, you have you been to Girl Collection yet? Speaking of Floyd. I have not been to Girl Collection. Thank you. You want to fix that tonight? Were you, no, are you I looking do not. for people I to go not. with or what? I do not want to fix. Wait for a rush. Yeah. Hey, uh, Rafe. I mean, uh, Rafe and Brett. We uh, we're degenerates, and we're big on this uh, movement in boxing called hashtag #LoadWatch2018. Every time somebody gets in front of a microphone these days, they're saying really disgusting, gross things. Brett, they're saying things like. Let him shoot his low, and then down the stretch do what we do best. When 
did you think that the fight was starting to turn when he had shot his load and you could come out? There's a lot of shots of load being <laughs> talked about. Like, I mean, there's no other... <laughs> People are talking. People at MMA don't talk about shooting loads, right? I, no, this is the first I've heard of it. All right, all right. That was an awkward interview between Floyd and Sal Pal, your former colleague, Sal Pal, when oh, you guys did right? the coverage of May. Was that was that was that the May? Was after yeah, that yeah. he was discussing his uh, his strategy against Connor. And then Sal Pal was like, I, like uh, he didn't want to say it, but he's like, "All right, Floyd, when did you shoot your load? No, when did uh, he? Yeah." yeah. Um, this is uh, really gross. How do we get here, right? You did this. You brought yeah, it in yeah, you with, with clips, with prepared clips. What is the, when, you know, when an MMA guy runs out of gas, like, is that, what, what is the go-to uh, sort of shorthand or slang for it? Uh, gassed. Just I gassed out. Just yeah. gassed? You wouldn't just even gassed. do, like, what did A.C. Slater say? A.C. Slater said. He shot his watt. He shot his watt still. Yeah, well, you well, know. Uh, let's move. You talk about Slater. Slater is working with our. Oh, you guys know Todd Grisham better than I do. I only yes. met him one time back in the oh, year. Great Todd. Did you guys get the photo? Grisham sent me a photo. He was very proud of it that he was hanging out with Slater. Did you guys get that? <laughs> no, text? no, were they shirtless? Didn't no, I didn't. I didn't get the shirtless one. I'm sure the one exists, but I didn't. How I didn't bad do you think one. those two clean up afterwards? <laughs> What's that? How bad do you think those two clean oh, up? Oh, after a show? Yeah. I mean. Are we? What are we allowed to say on this podcast? It, we go pretty far. It's all safe. Yeah. Until I think we they get got, more listeners, no one's going to stop us. I think those two go as far as uh, they go as far as they want. And if you know anything about Todd Grisham, then <laughs> hey, speaking of <laughs> drug tests, Todd, I don't know if Todd Grisham is getting through USADA these days. I mean, oh, absolutely not. Forty-two. He's got he's got abs. I and mean, if he were on. if he were here, I mean, we could call him, and he I think he'd probably admit to that. I don't uh, think he's trying to hide it. He might even hook us up with something, you know. So uh, speaking, Brett, you don't need to take a drug test because you're one of the most fit humans in the world. I've traveled with you on the road. You refuse to defile your body with fast food. In Atlanta, I once went through a crystal drive-thru with this guy, and I ordered six things off the dollar menu. He refused to take a bite, let alone look at them. I made him roll down the window so I wouldn't have to smell it as much, actually. Crystals. What gives? What, are you trying to live long? What's going on here? Uh... I don't. I, you have an iron stomach. I don't know how you do it. I don't know you're how you're able to put down dogs. six yeah. things called crystals that look like they came out of a microwave and just like have the most energy of anybody I know in the room. Hours later, I don't know yes, how you do yes. that. That was UFC 201, by the way. Good, it was good night. Good night in the business. 201. Yeah, that's right. The Tyron Woodley era started that, at, at uh, 201. Rick, Still do you going. watch any? You, you ever watch UFC? Or are you just I do. Hardcore box. I, I, I'm obviously more of a hardcore box guy, but and, and honestly, since since ESPN uh, swapped podcasts with with the, the Ariel Helwani era and Brett's old show, you don't have you, you're not in the five hour podcast. I can't do it. Day. I can't do take, it. It's take a five hour energy. Take some of that Ripper nutrition. <laughs> it doesn't. The, the thing it doesn't even sound like a podcast. Like I can listen to a long ass podcast. We'll, I, I'll, I'll talk to you for two hours on a Monday morning. Yes, you will. Um, Good point, by the way. You should. Be, Five Hour Energy should be sponsoring that. That's thing. a good point. That's a really right? good point. Hey, Brett, to close, this is serious now. We were just we just witnessed an MMA press conference in a boxing world here, uh-huh. and it's my type of fight. It's hashtag old guy fights. It's it Hey Scott Coker. Why are you not promoting that fight? It's Chuck Liddell, Tito Ortiz three and under Kimbo Slice Dada five thousand rules. Are they? I believe the stipulation is first one to have a heart attack loses. Is that what's oh, going on? Oh come on! How dare! How dare! Too soon. What did you think of the press conference? I was interviewing I boxers at that moment. I really did, but um, I did, you know I got them. You at, were in here for it. I was, yeah, yeah. yeah. You weren't I, listening? No, um, don't don't tell anybody that. But um, I'm still gonna be down for that fight. But this is one and done for Oscar, right? In this MMA space, it just depends how it goes. How's it gonna go? 
I mean, he's got to run for president in 2020. He's got a lot of things going on. He does a lot on his plate. I, I, I tend to think, yeah, this would be the last one. You going? You going to go watch this? I, I don't I don't think I have an employer that will pay for a West Coast it's gonna flight. going to be out here. In L.A. Oh, yeah. you should, you should it's me. In Las Vegas, yeah. California is what Tito said. Chuck can't win this, right? If the, here's the problem with old guy fights, and I love all old guy fights. If they end in the first round, they're beautiful. Kimbo, Ken Shamrock was kind of beautiful. You had conspiracy. You had one guy almost getting choked, and the other guy got knocked out. Yeah. But we saw Tito, Stefan Bonner, and that was that set the sport back a few years. So are we going to see Tito, Stefan Bonner? The bad thing that the bad old guy fight happens when um, the loss of power has gone so far that it's even it's even more so than the loss of chin. Yes. Because that means you have a long fight with two guys throwing sloppy punches, but they're not knocking each other yes. out. So then it just drags on much longer than anybody anybody wants. So that's going to be the question. Is has the power deteriorated past the chin? What is your prediction for that fight? Yes. Wow. Okay. <laughs> wow. Uh, I mean, Chuck's two and zero, right? He hasn't fought in seven years, but he's angry about this, though. He's really angry about this. I mean, fight. Tito has been much more active. He just beat our boy Chael Sonnen. Uh, I mean, you ha- you kind of have to go with the active guy, right? But they're not Chuck testing always, this fight. Chuck always had the perfect style for him. He did. Which is just wear a mohawk and punch. Um, if they're not drug testing, I like Chuck. All right. Yeah, I don't know. That's a question for California. Would yeah, you I, want them to? You don't want them to drug test. I don't test, want do that. I'm not going full Luke Thomas. Just, just get I'm a late going, start. You know. I'm not going Nigel Collins full Luke Thomas. Everybody should juice. But in this case, in this maybe case, after a certain age, you just juice. Dude. I just mean, juice. I can't. I can't get on board with any, any of it. I, I honestly can't. I can't do it. But if there was a time when I, I would say, yeah, go ahead and let him. At least like. I mean, eliminate the the hardcore stuff, but it's just a little bit of what, what Todd Grisham is on, and I think that's <laughs> a little point. little Badu Jack Oxy. Get him, get him the Oxy Ripper. So, h- halfway seriously, Brett, do you like compare? Does MMA because of sort of UFC's larger role in the sport than there is any one single boxing promoter have a better hold on performance enhancing drugs? Do you think than than, than boxing does? Just because. I don't know. In boxing, I think we, a lot of fans just assume everyone is on something at some point in time. Yeah, I think you just, just explained it very well. Yes, UFC has, has a better hold on it, much okay. better. Yeah. Um, boxing right. has set the bar so very low that the UFC could be doing half of what it's doing. It would still be better than boxing. Wow. wow. Hey, this was good audio. We just we just turned the mic on and we talked like we normally would, you know? No rules. Oh, there was a mic on it. this whole time. <laughs> you just lost your job. And, and friends, thank you. Thank you very much. Brett, do you want to give a message? to the people that listen to the show, the boxing fans out there. You can plug something. You can plug us. That's Wow, well, let me get the zipper sound effect. Um, what do you got? Anything? That was intentional, wasn't it? Did you do that? I, I'm, I'm, I'm so You can't help I can't, it, I can't right? Keep up. What do you got? You got anything? For the boxing crowd? Um, yeah. I mean, follow me on Twitter for this boxing match, and then maybe if you're not in MMA, then, then hit the unfollow button until the next oh, big one. Wow. All right. Hey, hey uh, over under on buys for Conor McGregor Habib to close. Um... Two million. I will put it at two. I think the heat is gonna is gonna is gonna go up pretty big. Will any of your boxing fans watch that fight after watching Connor? Did any of them like him, or are they just? I think this, they think he's a like, clown. I think I've seen Connor fights, yeah. and I mean, fun, I think man. for boxing fans, he's easy to get into because he's a striker. He, you know, I mean, he's talks good like hands. Ali, he yeah. counter punches, and and then like you know when he, I don't know what the heck he's doing when he kicks, but it looks it's pretty cool looking. I mean, uh, I'll give him. I love you know, that. That's so generic. I like uh, that. Yeah, yeah. I think the people listening to the show are gonna watch that fight because it's a crossover cultural event, all right? I was out here for NBA Summer League when he fought uh, Mendez. Um, and we watched in like a bar or whatever. You know, it was great. And the, the Irish the Irish crew, shout out to the Irish crew yes. that was in Vegas. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Like just, I mean, I don't know. It made me a fan at that moment. 
So you think boxing fans eat? Connor won them over a little bit, and they're not like, yeah, get that guy out of here. No, we no, sent he him went back over because they, where, they where he came he's, from. look. I say this, and people laugh. He's this generation's Ali in terms of selling himself and getting it. Maybe not cultural in terms of his uh, yeah. effect on society, but like slow it down. No, don't tell me. You put water on my balls. <laughs> cool it down. Let me let me let me put some water on your balls. No, no, I really I really believe that. I really believe that. So I think people like him. They're going to watch. They're going to watch your coverage at Bokomoto ESPN. Sounds good. Thanks, All right. Pete. We out. All right, sitting with one of my favorite favorite boxers in the whole world, the great, the cyclone of Guantanamo Bay. Are we still calling you that? <laughs> the great Yuri Gamboa. You got news for us. We got to hear this. The news is that we're getting ready, that I'm getting ready. For a big fight, November 10th in Miami. All right, do we have an opponent? Tenemos un oponente. El oponente Beltran Jr. Yeah, the opponent is Beltran Jr. Miguel Beltran. Miguel Beltran Jr. All right, all right, yes. all right. Would this be a lightweight bout? This is where you're campaigning, 135? Va a Yes, definitely. All right, now tell me where you're at at this point in your career for this decision. You know, you, you did suffer a couple losses there. How are you feeling? What, what, we're doing a, we're doing a 180 uh, on my career. Um, the most important thing, you know, we're taking charge of uh, the career for personally. And uh, we have uh, the freedom to, to do what we want to do, and that's exactly why we're doing uh, an event on pay-per-view. What I'm doing, basically, we're working on, on a plan for my career. In the last four years, there has been no, no plan. It was just whatever came my, my way, I took. And there was no plan, so it was very... Messi. But, I blame uh, that on 50 cents. My, my, you know, my two cents. I blame that on 50 cents. He said that he is not blaming 50 cents at all. Oh, no, no, nobody. I think 50 cents helped me as much as he could help me. He did good. He just tried to be the best that he could, but they just... You know the boxing community and the and the uh, yeah. and the establishment did not let him in. Right, right. The establishment definitely did not did not let him in. So I'm curious. Um, what is the? So you're talking about the the plan that, for, for you now that you're taking control. What uh, what's it going to look like? What are, what what is the plan? What are the steps? Okay. The the plan the plan for you and I'm going to take this question. The plan for for you is is it's five for uh, for a title, and it'll be announced also on Wednesday. It'll be a big title. Be announced on Wednesday, 
from the title uh, the, the co-main event which is another announcement we want to make the co-main event is going to be Juan Manuel Lopez oh yeah oh yeah come on come on Rafe this is so uh, it's been marinating for a long it's time now boxing Yuri boxing fans make a joke yeah. that Bob Arum had been marinating this forever but well, that's right. in your heart of hearts how badly do you want this dice, fight dice, dice que, que la, los fanáticos del boxeo eh, tienen un dicho de que Bob Arum como que marinó la, la pelea por mucho tiempo pero tú de corazón como te sientes con la pelea esa bueno yo creo que esta es una pelea que todo el mundo esperaba es una fight that, that everybody wanted y es una prueba yeah, and it's a test en la cual está demostrando que nunca quisieron hacer un plan conmigo and, and this is exactly my point that we just talked about that was never a plan in my career with my promoters there was no plan it's whatever it came and I, and I want to expand on that and, and that ha that fight could have happened you know five years ago easily easily and uh, they just did the promoters you know the establishment they wanted to go another way alright if you know? we get to that fight if this marinates to the point that we see it what does that fight look like Gary? if the fight passes and marinates and the fight that you and Juan how will you see the fight? how will you see the fight? I think it will be a fight very excited because both of us will be able to demonstrate quién era el mejor en ese momento y, y al mismo tiempo pues, los fanáticos también querían esa it's going to be a super exciting fight because it's a fight that, that they, they both want and Juan must personally call me and, and beg me to, 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 to do this Interesting. and he really wants that fight too so it's going to be it's going to be war you know it's, it's going to be a very exciting fan a very fan friendly fight well every Juanma fight is a war so yeah. do you Todas think las de Juan es una, una at his age and the wars he's been through that he can take your best ones una pelea buena, pero que si tú crees que, que Juanma con todas las guerras, porque cada vez que Juanma viene a pelear es, es guerra, y si tú crees que Juanma con todas las guerras que queda el Estado, eh, si tú crees que todavía puedes aguantar un golpe tuyo. Bueno, yo creo que, que esto es parte del de, de show, ¿me entiendes? I, I think this is part si, of the show. Si por una razón Juanma cae, yo pienso que como un guerrero se va a parar y va a seguir adelante, y, es, y eso es lo que queremos mostrar en el evento. Uh, he, said, he, he said, well, most definitely, if, if, uh, if Juanma goes down, he, he knows Juanma's going to get back up yes. and go at him again because he's a warrior. He's a true warrior. Wow. So I've always loved Cuban fighters, but I've loved you the best because you've got the skills of a great Cuban fighter, but you're willing to brawl. You're willing to yeah. fight if you have dice, to. Dice What makes you different? Dice que tú eres el, 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 el boxeador cubano favorito de él por la simple razón de que no solamente tiene tienes la técnica de los grandes boxeadores cubanos, sino que también tú vienes a pelear, tú vienes para adelante a... a, 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 a exacto, golpe. Bueno, este la diferencia mía de los más cubanos es que los demás cubanos utilizan lo que es la técnica y la táctica respecto a la escuela cubana de combate. Dice que most Cuban fighters all they use is the skill and what they learn in the, in the Cuban, in the Cuban uh, school of boxing. Pero en el caso mío, But in, in my case, basado a, basado a mi estatura, because of my because of my stature you know of course I, I also I also uh, conquered the, the Cuban boxing because that, that, that's where that's where I learned since I was short I always had to come forward yes. and, bring, and bring that and bring the battle to, to the opponent because I always had the disadvantage of height and reach so, so all, all, all those words that I had to do in the, in the amateur that, that that's that's what I brought on 
to the to the uh, to the professionals. So me ayudó a dominar las tres distancias. And, and that's and that's what helped me dominate all three distances in boxing. Okay. Now, when somebody gets into their late 30s, later in their career, sometimes the speed goes a little bit. They have to fight more. Are you? Is the speed still there for you? Or are you prepared dice que ya, to fight more if you have? To? Dice que a la vez que, el, que los boxeadores, a la vez que, que pasen los 30 años, que la, la velocidad se le baja y se le baja un poco. ¿Qué que, que tú crees tu velocidad ahora? ¿Tú tienes tu velocidad la misma velocidad todavía? ¿O, o, se te, o, o tienes que, que pelear más y con menos velocidad? No, yo creo que yo creo que yo mantengo mi velocidad. Esto I, made, es algo I, que... I maintain my, my speed. I, always, I still have my, my speed. No sé si él vio la última la pelea antes de Sosa. I, I, I don't know if he, if he, if he saw that, that the fight with Sosa. And the Sosa with the, uh, the first few, few fights. I mean, the first few rounds with Sosa. You, you, you saw, you saw the, 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 the speed in me and, and, and the work I did. Uh, of course, I couldn't maintain the same, the same speed throughout all, all, all 10 rounds because of the preparation that they gave me. And I want to add on to that the preparation they gave me. He had three weeks to get ready for Sosa. I had to give thanks to God for, for, for many things. But if there's one, one specific thing that I have to thank God for, for in, in my boxing career, it's for the speed that he, he uh, gave me. Wow, wow, we're excited, yeah. we're excited to see what's next for you as well. I mean, All right, we, we, we want to see, and do you have any other names? We know maybe Juan Ma fight would be great. Any other names that before you retire you want to face, you need to face? Eh, definitivamente lo que digo es coger el estadio interino este para poder tener una pelea mandatoria en el futuro con los Machenko para hacer un campeonato mundial de un pay-per-view. The plan is, is, is to... to to fight for the entrant title okay and then eventually make it mandatory because it, it, it's gonna have to be a mandatory for Bob Aaron yes, to come yes, look yes. for Gamboa so we're gonna make it mandatory for Lomachenko to come see Gamboa oh wow <laughs> is, is there any part of wanting to fight Lomachenko about um, getting revenge for, for Cuban boxing after he defeated Guillermo pelear con los machecos para ponerle el nombre de los cubanos traerle sí. el boxeo cubano encima definitivamente es una, una victoria que tuvo frente a uno de los mejores de, de, de boxeo cubano definitely you know los machecos had, had a victory on, on you know with one against one of the best boxers of Cuban boxing which is Rigon Diaz pero definitivamente Rigo es un boxeador que siempre ha sido un campeón en la 122 libras yeah you know uh, 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 Rigon Diaz had to give a lot of, a lot of, to, to, to come, he had to go, go up to two, two, two or three, two weight, two weight classes. And that weight, weight difference really took a toll on him. Plus his age, you know. <laughs> and, and so the fans know who is managing you and who is promoting you now. Dice, ¿quién te está manejando y quién te está promocionando? Bueno, realmente ahora estamos teniendo nosotros mismos control de, de nuestra, de nuestra carrera. New Champion Promotion is the person that is taking uh, the control of the promotion is New Champion Promotion, which is myself, and we're doing this uh, as, as a team. All right, all and right. That's the plan. 
All right. Lomachenko. And, and to close, my final question. My favorite night of your career will always be Solis. But for you, what was the best night of your career? This la, 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 la noche favorita para él tuya fue la de, la de Solis. Pero para ti, ¿cuál fue la noche favorita? Bueno, eh, para mí también fue una de las mejores noches para mí. He said, for me, it was probably up there with Muy buena era one of the best ese, performances. I had good training and I had good, good, good performance that night. All right, best of luck. Thanks so much for the time. Thank you. We'll see you November 10th. Believe that. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> good luck to you, buddy. Thank you. All right, hey, we talked to uh, Radio Rahim. We're talking to another guy who's ahead of the game on boxing interviews, a frontliner, if you will, the great Marcos Vegas of Fight Hub TV. And Radio Rahim was on here just just talking the worst trash about Fight Hub. Oh, no, no, I'm not. Just, he's just kidding. Oh, he's just kidding. Man. We respect Radio Rahim. We respect Marcos Vegas. We play a lot of your great sound on this show. Hey, man. Where are my royalties then, man? You're not getting anything from us. You, <laughs> YouTube. You invented YouTube. You invented making yes. a living on... I, I, Other, I went your to rivals Google. are forced to take a step back. Do you know what I mean? This is this, this guy's, this guy's oh, California no, royalty. You always do this. You always do this, bro. Oh, I love Ellie. I'm joking. I'm, uh, Ellie and I are longtime friends. So, bro, you're making a living. You're getting great sound. How's life? I'm tired, man. This fight week's kicked my... Can I curse? Yeah, a little yeah. bit. Well, a little not bit. the F, not the F. No. Get the F out. But I can say the A word? Yeah, you can say the A word. It's kicked my derriere. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. You can say ass. You know, ass, rump. yeah. Oh, yeah. man, this this week has kicked my ass. I'm tired. But uh, now life is good, man. It's it's a hard grind, though, you know? It's it's a really hard grind. Especially now, you know, there's a lot more competition, a lot more content creators coming out. You know, I feel like uh, YouTube in general is kind of getting a, a little bit harder to... Uh, make a living on as well you know like i i think i was fairly lucky when i got in when i did i mm -hmm. got in back in 09 you know and that was even though that wasn't the ground floor of youtube because i think youtube started even earlier like in 2004 2005 i could be wrong don't quote me on that uh but i still feel that at, at that point people were still kind of figuring out what the heck to do and because i was such an early adopter uh with youtube that naturally you know people the content that i put out it was out there and the boxing fans that were finally getting all this content on youtube digitally found us and just kind of grew from there you're making moments they make it to our show i mean your stuff with jermel charlo holy crap Dude, talk to me. You're you're front line with the oh, Charlos, no. man. You're getting some of their best uh, stuff. Yeah. These guys are wilding the heck out of What about being, just being in the middle of that whole scene last week at the Barclays oh, man, Center? That was kind of nuts, man. <laughs> I, I Yeah, when they're all, they were all there. I don't know if they were drinking or not. It looked like they were. <laughs> you know, it sounded and, like they were. And uh, yeah, that, that was nuts, man. It was nuts. Like the PR team was like freaking out. They were freaking stressing were, out <laughs> were, they, were they like they were, sending people to come in and like they like, were all over the place there, no they, they were all over the place like they'd see you know one of the brothers and they'd try hey come over here and they'd be like get off me get off me and yeah because if he ain't a lion i'm a dog are those guys high up on your list in terms of giving the best stuff these days for oh i love them i love talking to those guys they do give the best they're stuff. they're incredible they, i mean because you're not sure if they're crazy yeah but that's like, the thing you don't know if yeah. like you say something and it's gonna piss them off and you're just like oh great you know this guy's gonna come at me you know because they're they're and i've said this time and time again online they are the Diaz brothers of boxing that's a great call they are wow and that whole group is like Diaz, the rat pack yeah. that whole yeah. group them spence but, Tank but and the Broner. funny thing is the troubles are ready is, to turn is AB on the, the Frank Sinatra brothers. of that Rat Pack? Oh, how dare you. What was that? Is AB the Frank Sinatra of that Rat Pack? Uh, I don't know. I'll leave that question to you of, guys. I mean, he's the leader of that 
Okay, we'll see the scrap pack. There we yeah, go. Yeah. But it always feels like the Charlos are ready to turn on their PPC bros. Remember we had one of the Charlos on? He was calling out Cervante. Well, yeah, they were. The, yeah, the, yeah. The famous, well, the famous uh, PPC, the, yeah. the Showtime videos of, you know, the Charlos looking, looking at They Adrian were cool. Brown, like, they were cool out, with Tank and Bro. They were all there together and stuff. But uh, I think, you know, maybe uh, some... Uh, some libations had to do with that's that. That's true. All right, give us a good story of being on the front lines with a big name in boxing, and you got Harry. They said something that blew you away. I mean, give, give us something. You're, you're, this is your life. You're you're giving. All, you're fueling what we talk about on these podcasts. Oh man, I have a really bad memory, but uh, let me let me think. So you want you want a let good me, story? Let me throw yeah. one at you. Uh, let me let me pour some water on your balls. Pour some water on your balls. So you had so much. <laughs> you've had so much. Uh, it is so like many of the infamous Angel Angel Garcia clips. Oh, yeah. Okay. The Argentino Valentino. Valentino. Yes. You, want me, you want me to speak to you in Valentino? I mean, some of the problems with uh, that he got into trouble with yeah. about Keith Thurman when so, he was. I'll yeah, tell he you. Was touching okay, ends. so no, yeah. so that's the the one thing that people come up to me and talk to me about is that uh, interview that I did with Angel and that was during the uh, actually Mayweather Canelo fight week and uh, I was standing behind you as you, you were? did that yeah. yeah Angel went off on he you did go and off I was on like me. trying to take pictures and videos at the oh, same time no. dropping my phone so he was uh, in hindsight they were very nervous I think for yes. that yes. fight very anxious and, and I think Angel was in a way wanted to lash out towards everyone for picking Matisse when he knew and now that we know what happened, he knew all along, but... And by the way, the out, day after, Angel gave, went on an 11-minute rant during the undercard press conference to the media saying none of you are giving Danny a chance. Yeah. And I think it was because you you set him off in that. Uh, I, don't know, I don't know about that. I don't know about that. It could, about, it, you know, could, you know? it could or could not be. But, I, you know, I think he was so frustrated that people weren't giving Danny a, a fair shake and they were against him. He just kind of blew up and, and he got the first chance to actually he voice have, out his opinion. He may have said this famously. I don't care about my life. He doesn't care, Angel. Doesn't don't care. care. That's no bad That's the truth. Yeah. That's the truth. C R O O F. Truth. That's so. I totally deja vu. Deja yeah. Vu. So honestly, I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm doing the interview, and he's starting to get really riled up. And I take a step back, and I think in my head, okay, there's two things are gonna happen. He's gonna come and choke me, and I legit thought he was gonna like put his hands on me and choke me, or he's gonna clock me. If he's going to clock me, I need to put my foot back so I can take the blow oh, wow. and not get knocked down. So in the interview, you can see I'm, I'm trying to fidget to the side to try to absorb <laughs> you don't a be potential up. blow. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be squared up. So that chin, bro. Yeah, so I'm thinking in my head, and I'm just like, oh, man, okay, something's going to happen. He's getting really, really amped up. Luckily, nothing happened, but I think, you know, that one of the greatest uh, one-liners uh, from that is, you know, you want me to talk to you in Valentino? And I'm like, what, Spanish? What are you talking about Spanish? And he's like, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And I'm just like, oh, man. But no, that was a memorable thing. You know, I, I didn't talk to Angel, actually, until two years after that interview. Because Damn. part of me felt kind of awkward to talk to him because of that. And I didn't know how he's going to react to me. Funny thing is, I saw Danny, like, two or three months later after that fight at a basketball. It was a charity basketball game with Floyd. And uh, we're in the locker room, and he's lacing up his shoes, and I walk in, and he looks at me, he's like, oh, hey, you're the guy that my my dad yelled at. And I was like, oh, man. And he's like, no, 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 come here, come here. He's like, that shit was funny. And I'm like, really? He's like, yeah, I watch that interview all the time. 
And I'm like, for real? He's like, yeah, that cracks me up. Like, my dad's a character. I'm like, yeah, he is. Even to this day, he still brings it up. He's like, hey, hey, come here. He's like, I still watch that interview. And I'm like, oh, man, okay. <laughs> but, you know, Angel's cool now. He's, he's mellowed out. He has mellowed and, and out we, a lot. We did an interview finally, and we brought it up, and he's like, and he told me, he's like, man, I was just playing with you. You know that, right? And I was like, no, I did not know that. You sounded pretty freaking serious uh, there. I thought you were going to clock me. And he's like, nah, I would never clock you. And I'm like, okay, good. He's like, but then he said, if I did, though, it'd be good for you, no? And I'm like, yeah, I guess. I don't want to get clocked in the face. Last guy I wanted to ask you about is you do some of the better Teddy Atlas interviews. Okay. you just yeah. get him to focus and be serious but when you're interviewing teddy he's also one of those guys that i feel like he may snap at any point and and just be like i'm done i'm done i'm done you think i care no that's bob arum bob arum will be like what are you talking about and he'll just leave just like that what the heck are you talking about that's ridiculous gang man marijuana should not be prosecuted never to suspend somebody from the commission many women the UFC is a bunch of white skinheads around. Do you hear that story about it that we have of him of the the orgy in the Philippines with Muhammad Ali? That was you. That was are us. You, are you, are yeah. you kidding me? Did I hear that story? Oh, that's are you, hilarious. Are you kidding the me? The sun came out. Hey, play it right here. We had an orgy for two days. Never screwed so many women. Oh my god. By the way, and we have a sit-down with Bob scheduled this weekend. Bring that Dave up. And I. That's a Bring great that story. Up. That's the only thing we're going to talk about <laughs> anyway. All right. Marcos Vegas of Fight Up TV. Tell the people where they can find you. On YouTube. YouTube.com slash Fight Up. Okay. But, you know, uh, on YouTube, just click Fight Up TV. If you're a, a boxing fan, um, we've been doing this for a very long time, nine years already. Uh, follow us on social media at Fight Hub TV, and then you give me a follow as well. I could uh, use the uh, extra followers on at, Twitter. At uh, yeah, at Hey, it's Marcos V on Twitter and the uh, Instagrams. We respect you, sir. You get some of the best sound in the business. You're Thank one you. of the best with, with the Radio Rahims of the world. Continued success and great work to you. Muchas gracias, amigo.